Welcome to the program. The phones are open. And you can dial in to bring up absolutely anything you want. However, we actually have a special guest that is joining us here. And so, therefore, phone calls should be reserved for questions for that special guest. And then after our guest has gone for the evening, then it'll be open phones, and you can bring up absolutely anything that you want. It's Ian here with you. And Aria. And it seems like callers might have to actually listen to the show and stay on topic for once. That would... (laughs) That would be wild. No, that's okay. I mean, they can they can change the topic, just not while we have our guest on. So uh, the number Fair. here is 603-283-6160. And he is a guest who I have been asking to come on the show for some time now. And, and he hasn't done it because of, well, legal circumstances. Probably partially because of our legal circumstances. Sure. Partially probably because of his legal circumstances. All of them involving the federal government gang. Uh, Jeremy Kaufman is with us, the founder and the creator of Library, and I think partial founder of Odyssey back in the day. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, uh, it is it is always great to talk to you, uh, although the circumstances might not be great. And I do also want to apologize to your listeners. I mean, forcing them to stay on topic just seems really rude. <laughs> well, that's all right. They'll get over it. Yeah, I think they can manage it this once. Uh, So, yeah, welcome back to the show. I know we've had you on at some points in the past, but I feel like it's been a couple years uh, since that's happened. Uh, You got tied up in all kinds of ridiculous legal chains back around the same time we did. Uh, It was March of 2021, shortly after the FBI raided this studio in the Crypto 6 situation. I think it was, what, within a week or so. Uh, You got delivered paperwork from the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, saying they were taking Library, the company that you created, uh, to court. That's right. Well, I've actually been under, well, we've been under investigation uh, for five years. Uh, We're we're at the uh, five-year anniversary. Oh, me too. It took them five years to investigate us as well. (laughs) Right? I know. It's kind of the worst, like, it's like one of the worst parts of it. Uh, because yeah, I mean, our circumstances are are very different, and uh, and honestly, it's actually <laughs> you're, you're, I see what you've been going through, and I'm like, because I've been kind of like, oh, this sucks, man. I'm like, I'm like, this this is awful. This is like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And then at the same time, uh, of course, you're going through your situation, um, which honestly is is worse. I mean, I'm I'm losing a lot of money. I'm I'm going to be losing a lot of years of my life. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I and it, I'm not lo- like. It's going to continue, but I think you know there's been a lot of economic damage uh, to myself, to the people who work at the company, to to the people involved in the project. Like it's going to, and it's going to continue in some form. <clears throat> they may force it to shift forms. You know, some of that's still unclear. So I don't want to, I don't want to go too deep into sure. that aspect of it specifically. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, yeah, you're losing something that you love, something that you created, and something that you you know dedicated a huge portion know, of your life. I can't. I can't. I can't do woe is me to you. <laughs> can't what? He can't say woe is me. Oh. Yeah, I can't do I can't do it to you. Uh, uh yeah, it does suck. It does suck. I've been I've been I've been sad about it. And like it feels cuz it's like cuz also I know I mean I think you know you and I are both free staters and and Aria too and, and I imagine a lot of your audience uh is or prospective uh free staters. They're not free staters yet. They're, they're free state sympathetic, you know. And it's it's but you know so like we get it. But but like you know you saw the same thing in your case and I see the same thing as mine. It's like you know the the the, the amount of the people's ability to like sort of 
defend and prop up the system, like even while being apologetic about it, it's like, well, just stop, you know, just stop. Like, and, and, but we have a nature that, you know, it's different. I mean, all of us, not, you know, I mean, I say we, all of these, all of us with this kind of liberty inclination, because, you know, to other people, like they like, they kind of do see us as, as the bad guy, you know? And we, of course, see ourselves as, as, you know, principled as, as, as trying to, you know, to do this thing. And of course I agree with us, <laughs> I sure. agree with us, but it's like, that's, that's, you know, that's, I don't know. That's the reality. That's the reality of it. You know, it is um, sad to see how many people, you know, just automatically take the side of the federal government in, in anything that happens. You know, the SEC is going after library. Oh, a library must have done something wrong mm-hmm. is what the average person out there seems to well, think. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, even but even you saw you were there, you know, in the LRN.FM. You can't oh, say sorry. that, dude. We're on broadcast radio, I, so I had to. I, uh, I, I had to hit yeah. the dump button <laughs> on you. And I, so uh, go I ahead. I understand how that button works. So yeah. The government is clearly screwing us, and yeah. I will be on target. I, I, I flip that switch. You know, the uh, the government was clearly you know screwing, uh, uh, and the judge knew, right? Like the judge understood what the SEC was doing. And he was sitting there in court like, SEC, you know, I'm not, you know, but the judge, this is what's, this is, and, and for liberty, you know, it can be hard. And you may be surprised. But I actually have sympathy for the judge. Like, I don't have that much sympathy for the SEC enforcement officers. Like, I think they're legitimately bad people mm-hmm. because they have a lot of discretion, right? The judge is bought in to this idea of the system and how it works. And he is a smart guy. And he's a thoughtful guy. Like he's not a, a partisan. Like he can think. You know, he can he can take the perspective of others and so on. But the system that he has been put within, he has a lot of respect for, and he sees himself as having a certain role within it. And and so, the SEC, who's acting, you know, effectively psychopathically, sociopathically, like they do not see themselves as as beholden by any principles or set of rules. Like they see themselves as like, well, how can we? you know, hurt these people that we don't like, or how can we accomplish these ends regardless of principles, regardless of means, regardless of anything beyond that, you know, and they're just taking advantage of the judge and the judge, he gets it. He knows, he understands, but can't bring himself to like correct the government at the same time, or can't bring himself to push at, at the, the SEC is taking advantage of the judge because the SEC is saying, no, judge, legally only answer this very, very narrow question. And the judge has seen all this other stuff, and he goes, SEC, I know what you're doing. And the, and the SEC is like, well, judge, your job is to decide this very narrow question. And what is you're that question for, for our listeners that weren't at the hearing uh, yesterday? Yeah, so, I mean, and, and we were found guilty of what's called a Section 5 violation, an unregistered securities offering. It's a civil offense, and it means that we sold an investment contract, a security, uh, without following the proper, you know, regulatory rules and procedures. Um, and in our case, there's no, you know, there's been no victim. No one went to the government and, and said that they were harmed. But the government effectively believes that almost all crypto asset sales are are securities offerings. Um, in our case, the judge ruled. Um, due to this specific combination of facts of owning a substantial amount of the crypto asset and um, and working on it and selling it, that those things combined, you know, make the sale. It's specifically very much hinging on having, um, depending on the portion of that you hold, but specifically on working on it, holding it, and selling it. That that's a securities offering. 
That seems so strange oh, to me that, that that could be the determining factor on what is and isn't a security. But th- this is where it gets into areas that are so far beyond my understanding because it deals with all of these complicated financial definitions and legal definitions that I do not even begin to understand. Yeah. Hang on there. you got to remember here. Broadcast radio. You can't say that one. Okay, I can't that, say I that one. I got I got to Just think that. of the uh, the, uh, the Carlin Seven Dirty Words. I don't know if you're familiar with that skit. I but am. I am. But that's not what I thought. That wasn't one of them. I, right. I'm pretty oh, sure that I, one's on there. I I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, show uh, the. Where, 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 where. Well, the good the good news is our listeners on Odyssey are able to hear the uncensored version of the show uh, tonight. That's right. So, so, so follow Free Talk Live on uh, you know on on Odyssey. Um, but the the, um, the the oh the the securities securities law is one of those things, and the SEC generally is one of those things where the government uh, the you know the way bureaucracies work. Your listeners know they they they're cancer, right? Whatever they can do, they grow however they can mm-hmm. uh, without cause, without reason. And the SEC has been one of the most successful cancers in terms mm-hmm. of government agencies. And securities law is like might as well be the commerce clause of uh, you know in terms of how uh, uh, the SEC has been able to do this. And you know, and so uh, the, the SEC is like for example right now they're becoming the EPA uh, with a lot of their they're forcing these companies to do all of this various environmental reporting, and they're saying no, you have to do this. Uh, you know, to do right by the market, and if you don't do it, you know, you'll be a foul of securities law. Um, and they've managed to make securities law everything. Everything is securities fraud. Uh, so as an right, example, so they're shoehorning uh, yeah. as much as they possibly can into yeah. this whatever this definition was that Congress put down at some point. They're saying, oh yeah, that qualifies, and th- that qualifies too. And they're just putting everything they can in front of a judge. And of course, the judges typically do the bidding of the federal government. Uh, no matter how thoughtful or whatever they might be, that tends to be the direction things go, and so, and we've seen that in the in the Crypto Six case, where you know the some judge in a previous case said Bitcoin is quote unquote funds, even though it shouldn't meet the definition of funds or money or whatever. Just some judge who doesn't understand the technology said something at some point, and so now every other judge that hears a Bitcoin related case looks to that previous judge and says well this other judge said bitcoin was funds so bitcoin is therefore funds even though it's never even been addressed uh by congress yeah absolutely and they're i mean they're very smart about it too i mean like the sec is artfully going around and doing this sort of like carving this very careful carving um of like just advancing um you know five ten fifteen percent uh, and then going to judges and being like, well, like, look, this is just a little bit different. And, and they're going to eat the whole thing until, until I mean, hopefully eventually a judge will shut them down. Because honestly, I have more faith in a judge doing it than Congress. <laughs> like I do. I'm not saying, I'm not saying a judge is going to, but like I, the, the idea of Congress fixing it mm-hmm. feels even worse. So, if, from the point uh, of view of the SEC, it makes perfect sense. You know, they're a government bureaucracy. They're full of power-hungry bureaucrats, power-hungry yeah. little tyrants who want more control over other people. But they're limited in their power. They can only regulate the world of securities. So what they want to yeah. do is they want to take a bigger and bigger chunk of the world and somehow shoehorn it into falling under the definition of security. security. Which, yeah. as we talked about, you know, when 
the ruling was initially made in this case that essentially everything can be a security according to this ruling, including like Pokemon cards, Magic the Gathering cards. And it sounds like the judge attempted to address this. Uh, by... I mean, they are like they are. The SEC, if the SEC wanted to go into court and argue that Magic the Gathering cards were securities, they could. As long as would it require <laughs> yeah. someone at like Wizards of the Coast or whatever to say, hey, if you buy this new Magic the Gathering set, it might go up in value over time. That's what they would argue would be the security aspect of so, it. So, so Wizards is hyper um, cognizant of this issue, by the way. Mm-hmm. So they will literally never, never, ever, ever mention the dollar value of a card on any official media, on any official acknowledgement, mm-hmm. on anything. They were running. Uh, they were they ran this series where they opened uh, very old cards. You know, cards worth like thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. These cards, Good Lord, if you open the right one, right? <laughs> these, these old black. Lord. I don't even know all the values or whatever, mm-hmm. but like it's like five figures. And they're they're running a live stream, and like the players are opening these very very valuable cards and this promotional thing. And all they'll say is, "Oh, that's a very collectible card right there. That one's mm-hmm. very collectible." They will not ever acknowledge the secondary uh, market. Because they're they are concerned of running afoul of these laws, but like it's very easy wow. to argue that they are. There's all this evidence. For example, there's a ton of evidence that they're obviously aware of the prices, and they number crunch the prices, and they and they they understand how there's the secondary market, and that it's in their business interests to keep the value of of the assets in the secondary market at a, at a higher price. Um, but but they, but they, the SEC doesn't want to go after wizards, right? They want to go after us, and they'll go after other people beyond us. But if you look at well, Wizards case, is Hasbro, and they got a lot of lawyers on their side and a ton <laughs> yeah. of money. And you guys, not so much, right? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't think that we got out lawyered necessarily. Uh, maybe that, maybe we did. I mean, it, it, and they were able to. They definitely were able to drain our resources and 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 burden us, and you know. Um, in process and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and various things, um, which they also, you know, they threatened to do. They, they, you know, they really, they, they absolutely behave, you know, nothing like that. I, you know, that there's, there's any sort of, you know, justice, uh, justice seeking. They, they behave entirely as, you know, we're going to get you one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not, there's not, um, you know, there's, there's nothing there. Well, even the judge uh, at the hearing yesterday acknowledged he said right out in court that the SEC has basically unlimited funding. They just get money yeah. from the taxpayers, and they can just keep on going as long as they need to go. And you, on the other side, uh, runs out of cash at some point. Right, that's right. He he makes all these gestures. He'll talk about all these things. And if you heard what he was saying, right, he even uh, he, right there was some audience applause to a, a couple of things, or at least uh, you know, to mild cheering to some of the things he was saying. But of course, but what is he doing? Mm-hmm. He's just agreeing with the government, you know, nearly 100 percent. And um, yeah, and there was somebody who said that uh, that she loved the judge. And I was surprised by that. I was like, wait, did you forget that this judge ruled against library <laughs> and is going to destroy them? I mean, the only question now is how bad will the destruction be? How how far yeah, will they well, disgorge you? Uh, you know, to the point that we know library is already essentially taking its last breath. The question is, are they going to sl- uh, slice you with a knife at the very end? <laughs> you know? Honestly, that's not even the issue, and the, because and this is I struggle even to get my own counsel to understand this because my counsel is always like, well, like we're gonna get you know, hey, look, we got this minimum, but it's it's not that right. It's about you know to be a business, to be a successful business, other businesses need to be able to work with you, and the SEC has created this complete 
climate of terror mm -hmm. where every company, every entity, even non-U.S. entities, like we had an Israeli vendor that we literally worked with only outside of the U.S. that we lost as a result of the SEC case. Wow. Because guess what? Even you're if scared. you're in Israel, the SEC is going to contact you. By the way, they did. The SEC subpoenaed this Israel vendor, and, I'm, and Israel has to comply with U.S. subpoenas because whatever, you know, they want to be friendly with the U.S. Wow. And they cost that company probably $100,000 or several hundred thousand dollars because if the SEC, the SEC, like, they don't care. They'll just be like, give us this and 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 this. They have no, you know, conscience of what they're forcing you to, to generate. And you they mentioned starting anything, a... They do it on purpose. Sorry. Right. You mentioned starting a business, though, and the only thing an entrepreneur should have to have is a good idea and the ability to turn that idea into reality. But when it comes to the SEC, you also have to jump through all of the hoops that they put for without telling you where the hoops are or what they consist of. Oh, yeah, it's insane. I mean, they won't answer a single question positively. We went in there. We said we'd change anything. The outcome that we're getting, we offered to the SEC five years ago, and they wouldn't take it. We said we'd destroy the company and give them all of our cryptocurrency. They wanted more than that. Jesus, man. <laughs> so, they, you know, so, uh, they, they, but, but the problem is, like, even if, like, the judge seems very willing to say, I'm only ruling on this narrow issue and, you know, send all these signals that all this other stuff should still be okay, can be sold in exchanges. If you exchange it to someone else, that's all completely legal. But the problem is that that's not the way that a business is going to think of it. If you're, if you're an exchange, if you're an entity, you're thinking about doing a deal, the question is, am I going to get an SEC subpoena? Mm -hmm. Not, am I complying with the law? This is a very important difference, right? It, once the, if the SEC or any government agency demonstrates continued animosity towards a business, I can't do business. Mm -hmm. Because if they just show they're going to harass anyone I do business with, why would anyone do business with me? Right. Yeah, it's the chilling effect. Yeah. But, and it's and rational. That's I'm not like attacking them. It's rational behavior on their part. Do you see this affecting, you mentioned, you know, exchanges, do you see this affecting library and library credits uh, going into the future, like where it's, it may be delisted yeah. or? It already has been. This <sighs> is the problem. I mean, so we got these strong signals yesterday from the judge. The judge said in court that secondary sales should not be considered securities. The question is, and by the way, this is an open question. Like th there might have been enough in court. I don't, you know. I can't model the way that they think exactly because I'm like way more willing to push the envelope than obviously most people are. So the, you know, I don't know what it's going to take a Coinbase or a Kraken or a Binance US or whoever, or even just a Binance again, because like US laws might as well be global. This is, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, so what's going to make them feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. Was the judge's language strong enough that they're going to feel comfortable? Or are they just going to be like, why take the risk? And I don't, I don't know. I would, I, you know, it would be nice. And, and certainly, you know, if there's any kind of pressure on them, any kind of encouragement, you know, like, cause they're going to keep, the SEC is going to keep coming. So I think this would be a nice one. It's a chance to kind of like take a bit of a stand in a positive way where the judges said, no, this should be okay. But because it wasn't before the court, he couldn't really rule on it in his you know framework of, of thinking about things. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's uh that's the big question that we're facing because if there's not enough, if everyone's just going to be chilled, then it's like, right. I mean, it's it, the same issue know, we faced, you know, as the yeah. crypto six, they don't have to go after everyone who's ever sold cryptocurrency. They just have to go after enough and they just have to make a big enough display of it where everyone else is just too scared to go near it. And that's, yeah, you don't want this to happen to you. Right. And that's what they're attempting yeah. with library. And it's a huge problem because I mean, also with the crypto uh, six stuff, I mean, th and this is the government, 
the most important aspect of cryptocurrency for the whole thing to work is, you know, because you're not going to get away from people aren't going to hard cut from fiat. So you need you need fiat to cryptocurrency exchange mechanisms that can remain anonymous, essentially, um, or, you know, less than, you know, less than full regulation. And I'm not saying that you guys I think you guys were trying to do everything in compliance with the law. But but like we need the ability to convert those things in a cash-like way if cryptocurrency is going to succeed. Because if you're able to control all of the on and off ramps, you know, right. then you... Yeah. And, That's and the value of Coinbase actually, and Kraken and Binance and all of these others is that they, they play ball with the government. So it sort of gives the government almost direct control to determine who gets to use cryptocurrency and who doesn't. That's right. Right. Well... That's right, because that's all KYC. That's all, all like the government has full insight to all the transactions happening in all of those places. And I think those services are a place. I'm not anti those services, but what's very, very, very important is that there also be the cash to crypto conversion possibilities and mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And if, but if they're able to cut that off and push everything or almost everything into the the full you know KYC centralized credit card you know bank account then you've lost the value because the whole point, and this is like a huge failure for Bitcoin where everyone should have been like, how did we not, how after 10 years was like the Canadian trucker protest where like the Canadian truckers were getting debanked and they weren't able to be like, Oh, just send us Bitcoin. And why? Because if you're a Canadian and the Canadian government says you can't donate money to these people, then how, like, how do you do it? You have a credit card, you have a bank account, you're a normal law abiding citizen. You're not a crypto anarchist. You're not in these circles, right? So how are you going to do it? Because if you just go to Coinbase and take out your credit card and buy Bitcoin and send it to the truckers, you might as well have written them a check. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, Jeremy, I feel like we're just getting this thing rolling here. Do you have time to stick with us for at least the rest of the hour? Um, I, I actually am, am, am pretty um, crunched tonight. I'm happy to come back. Uh, you know, I'm happy to talk more with you guys. Yeah, because I suspect we got at least a couple callers on the line for you as well. You got to run though. Um, let me take yeah. Let me take like one or two calls, and then I do have to go. I'm on like a crazy schedule right now. I do have to go, but I'm, I can come back on like you know in a couple of nights. Can you stay through part of the next segment, or do you like need to cut out now? Yeah. Hold uh, that. Well, hold that thought because we're <laughs> up. We're up against uh, the news here. Ads. Stand by. If you can stay, that's great. Uh, Just for a little bit, uh, hang on here. Uh, More coming up here. Hopefully, if we can get uh, Jeremy to stick with us for just a bit, uh, we'll see if we can take these calls. If not, Jeremy, thank you for library. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we will definitely get you back on here. Uh, But uh, the number is 603-283-6160. You can join the show here on Free Talk Live. we got Jeremy Kaufman with us from library. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on joined the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. (laughs) 
is Free Talk Live. Uh, if you want to join the show, you can. We're going to go open phones here in just a moment. Jeremy Kaufman did agree to stick around for just one call because we had one guy on the line who had a question for him here, and he's been waiting very patiently. So we're going to get uh, right back to that. It's Ian and Aria in the studio tonight. Uh, Jeremy, the founder, the creator of Library, which we're not going to have time to get into, but I do want to have Jeremy back on to kind of talk about, you know, maybe what the future might look like, what kind of lessons were learned, because I know the library account on Twitter has been posting about some lessons learned here, and I think that would be interesting to uh, to get on the air as well. But since we are, since you are short on time here tonight, Jeremy, thank you for uh, sticking with us. Definitely appreciate it. And I want to bring uh, our caller on the line here. Uh, David is in Georgia. David, you're on with Jeremy from Library. Hey, uh, quick, two quick questions and a comment. The two quick questions are, why did you remain in the U.S., and why did you not re- remain anonymous? Because if Satoshi had asked for permission to create Bitcoin, we wouldn't have Bitcoin right now. Sure, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, so w- once we're in terms – so I'll work backwards – getting out of the U.S. wouldn't have helped anything at all, right? Because the whole, the the United States government opinion is going to, once, they, once they've got that, their jaws into that, like, they're not going to let it go. They're going to continue to take the position that the sale of LDC is a security. And if we simply moved overseas, like, they would have, they would have still been, you know, attempted to persecute that token in terms of the ability to sell it. Right. And that that's the problem. Once that like once that's right, we we didn't lose when we were found guilty. We lost when the suit was announced. We had a chance to win when we were found guilty. But being found guilty didn't change that. We were found guilty when the suit was announced. I mean, you're exactly right. When the government comes after you, even if you win and you you were found, you know, not guilty or whatever the equivalent of this is, it's just a matter of how much you lose when the government is involved. As soon as they set their eyes on you, it's the eye of Sauron, you lose something, whether it's time or money or a part of your life mm-hmm. or your entire life. Or your whole business. Yeah. Right. You're, you've but specifically, lost. like, if, if we want Odyssey to be the commercial success that we think it can be, if we want library apps to be the commercial success that we think that they can be, that necessitates average, normal people being able to get in and out of the library ecosystem. And once that suit is announced, you can't do that absent being found. If we had been found completely, you know, innocent or even partially innocent, I actually think there would have been a very clear, uh, you know, road back. There's still potentially a road back here with what, with what the judge was saying the other, you know, the other day, saying it's very narrowly about us. But effectively, once the case had started, then um, uh, that um, uh, there was no there was no path that, there was no way out but through. Like moving internationally wouldn't have helped. So that brings it to the other half of the question, which is why you know do it publicly. Um, one, look, there are lots of public you know cryptocurrencies. Um, so I think that if you want to go, I think it's a choice that, that some people make. I think it's a smart choice for some people speaking for myself personally. It's not, I, I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't live my life worrying that as soon as I make like an OPSEC mistake, I would, you know, be in prison or something like that. Like I try to live my life the opposite. I'm a very transparent person. I'm very forward with what I think to the point that it bothers people. <laughs> so it's just not my psychology. I'm not saying that it's therefore a correct choice. Like me, I'm not saying like being anonymous might've been better, but it, for me, it's just not, I don't think it's something I could do. 
Jeremy, thanks for the the, uh, the time tonight. Uh, keep up the, the good work as you try to figure out where this thing goes from here, and, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about that in the uh, the near future. So we'll be in touch. Thanks. It was, it was great to be on. Uh, wishing you all the best. Nothing but love. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jeremy. Good night. Uh, and, David, I know you said you had a uh, comment further beyond the questions. Go ahead with that. Uh, the one comment was Jeremy said that uh, the on and off ramps are the big problem. Mm-hmm. As far as the on ramp, the best way to do it is to mine Monero because it's one CPU, one one vote, and there's no ASICs involved, so any computer can do it. So mine Monero. I, I get what you're saying. You're saying that on. somebody who wanted to uh, acquire cryptocurrency could avoid paying cash directly to an exchange or something like that by doing a mining operation. Therefore, they would essentially be paying their electric bill or whatever the form of energy it is that they're putting into the mining. Uh, and then they get cryptocurrency out the other end that they can then use on the in the you know crypto world. I like that idea. Correct. And, and nobody need, and nobody need know about that. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought about it in that context as being an on or off ramp into well on on ramp there's no way that would be an off ramp it's never... probably the most anonymous on ramp uh into crypto or you're... any cryptocurrency i i don't know if i would recommend necessarily mining monero because i it's none of these are going to be cost efficient right you're not going to break even in most places by well, mining monero cryptocurrency. is one that you can mine on a i believe just any old piece right, of equipment right? right but you're going to spend way more on electricity there are other like x x16 r tokens like ravencoin or something like that that i would recommend someone mine over monero hmm. but None of them are going to be cost effective is essentially what I was getting at. Like you're going to spend way more in electricity than you're going to get in cryptocurrency. And that's fine. I mean, privacy has a cost. That's true. That's true. Uh, And plus that is it does require some level of technical capability in order to mine cryptocurrency. Some do. Some have a one click miner like Vertcoin. Don't get into Vertcoin mining, but it had a one click miner for a very long time. I think Ravencoin does as well. I'd... Yeah, but is this something your grandma can do? No. Okay, probably not. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, David, thank you for the call tonight, man. I do appreciate hearing from you. We continue. Uh, your calls and thoughts are welcome. Jessica, normally she's in Missouri. Tonight she's calling us from our very own Manchester, New Hampshire. Jessica, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I found out how pricey it is here. I can't afford to live here. I'm going to have to go back to Missouri, man. It's like, geez. Uh, you know, in Missouri, I rented a house. I didn't own it. I rented it. It was $329 a month wow. plus utilities and uh, upkeep of the grounds and outside of the house. And it's like here, uh, like a studio apartment is 1800 bucks a month. <laughs> well, I mean, you may. are you looking just in the city or are you looking out in a more rural area? I um I was I'm just in the city right now. And are, were you in a city in Missouri as well, and you were getting a three hundred dollar uh, apartment? Yeah, I was in uh, Springfield, Missouri. is a, a medium. Actually, it's larger than Manchester in population mm-hmm. and uh, landmass. It's it's approximately one hundred eighty nine thousand. There's about three colleges there, and it landmass it's larger, I think, than uh, Manchester is. Hmm. So, I can't speak yeah, to Manchester. Go ahead. Uh, uh, like a moderate-sized uh, community, and it wasn't a suburb of any larger city or anything. Yeah, I can't speak to Manchester, but I don't think there's even an apartment in Keene that costs $1,800 a month. 
e- even like right there on Main Street, I don't think they I mean, they can be priced. Yeah, they're you can get close. apartments in Keene for for that much money. Really? The the new Colony Mill right over at the corner up here is like two thousand dollar apartments, wow, from what I understand. Okay. Uh, but you know, it just depends on what you're willing to live with. I mean, there's definitely no doubt some areas of the country cost more. Uh, in which to live than others. New Hampshire apparently is, uh, you know, depending on where you go to look on the lower end of things, according to, what is this? I don't know if this is M-E-R-I-C data gathered in the third quarter of 2021. New Hampshire has the 38th lowest cost of living in the country. So, I mean, that's not bad, but that means there's another dozen states that have lower costs of living. How do, where does Missouri rank on this list? I don't, I don't have the list okay. in front of me. Because, I mean, it just seemed pretty good based on, you know, New Hampshire being in the number 38. Chances are good that Missouri actually has a higher cost of living. I don't know. But it's also true, it Jessica, that, you know, you you make more money in wages. And I, I don't know what your, you know, employment situation is, but people tend to make more in wages than they do in Missouri as well. Like here, our McDonald's starts people out at, I think, $16 an hour. And that's relatively new. But it used to be like $12, $13 an hour anyway. Whereas in Mississippi, where I'm initially from, rent was certainly much cheaper. You could find a, a full house for five or $600 a month. But when you started at McDonald's, you were making seven twenty-five an hour. Yeah, I guess. So you came all the way up to New Hampshire just to look at housing prices? Why, are you, why did you come up here? I came up here to see how the winters were. If I could, like, withstand the winters, mm-hmm. you know, then I would move here, provided I could afford it. But it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to afford it. I can withstand the winters. But um, is that because you're a retired like, person yeah. and you're you're living off of yeah, a I'm, paycheck? I'm, yeah, I'm I'm in my late sixties. I'm I'm retired. I'm living off of social security and you know the small pension that I have, and that's it. It's like, so it's it's going to be kind of, I don't want to live in government housing. So, sure. And in Missouri, I don't have to, but it kind of looks like in New Hampshire, I'd have to Ugh. apply for and get Section 8 or some kind of crappy housing, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, Jessica, I love you, and I wish it had worked out here in New Hampshire. I mean... It's not suitable for everybody, certainly. I'm, I'm glad to hear you could handle the New Hampshire winters. This one has, to to be fair, this one has been pretty mild as far as winters go. But it certainly isn't it ain't for February everyone. yet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, though. Jessica, thanks for the call. Good luck. If you're looking for something to do while you're here, uh, do you have internet access? Yeah. Okay, check out the Free State Project calendar. Go to uh, FSP, is it .org? I know it's freestateproject.org. Anyway, FSP, maybe it's .com. Sorry, .org. FSP.org slash calendar. And that will show you a list of things that are going on. How long are you, uh, you in New Hampshire for? Oh, probably not very much longer. It's, um, you know, I'm kind of getting homesick. And my friends are there. And I don't, I'm staying with a friend right now, but, you know, I don't, and I don't like, new places when there's when it's too pricey <laughs> sure gotcha well like i said if you're looking for something to do if you're looking to meet people uh fsp.org slash calendar thank you for the call tonight i do appreciate it uh the number here is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 let's continue here we've got ricky in pennsylvania you're on free talk live ricky thank you brother good evening and good evening to you sister aria 
What's on your mind tonight, Ricky? Well, the Fair the Fair Tax Act. Okay. Yeah, now I thought I'd seen it all after the midterms in that first week in the House of Representatives, but I, I had not. Uh, just in case anybody's not aware what the Fair Tax is, the Fair Tax Act is, is it's a, a proposed bill that is going to be brought to the floor, as ludicrous as it seems, uh, by Representative Buddy Carter from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is uh, the idea here is going to abolish the income tax. Okay, that sounds good. the estate tax and All abolish right. the payroll tax. All sounds good uh, so far. Yeah, but there's problems with this. You see, here's the problem. First of all, uh, abolish the income tax. Well, that, that in all in all, uh, is not going to really especially help. In fact, they're looking to abolish the whole tax code now. I'm not trying to help the government, though. Why wouldn't it help? It would help every individual who has to deal with this stupid tax nonsense every year. They have to pour hours, if not days of their lives, into trying or hiring somebody, to, you know, God knows how much money, to figure out what well, they have to pay I mean, these goons in tax. Well, here's the problem with the, what they're looking for the replacement of these three items. Now, in the case of the payroll tax, the majority of that's Social Security. Now, that's ludicrous because uh, it's your money. Now, you're not going to have to pay it up front. Well, that's wonderful. We're going to have nothing later. Okay, fine. But here's the problem. What they're looking to do to replace this with, and this is a real bill. You know, I wish I was making this up. They're looking to replace it with a 30% flat tax. Now, those ta- that tax is to be pl- placed on everything, everything from a gallon of milk to food to clothing to a car, even at this point, a house. Now, the problem with this, I see, is multiple problems. Problem number one, you know, people think, oh, the wealthy ain't going to go for that. Well, they're not going to care. It's not going to make a difference because you're still going to have the same separation of the classes. Second of all, it's going to crush everybody from the middle class on down. And you're still going to obviously have your state taxes. You're going to have, like in my case, I'm going to have property tax, school tax, and sales tax. Mm-hmm. I don't see how it's you going know. to crush everyone from the middle class down. Uh, the more money people spend on consumer goods, like you mentioned milk and stuff like that, the more taxes they're going to pay. But they can always choose to not spend that money and not make the taxes. This is why I like the Fair Tax Act, or at least parts of the Fair Tax Act. It taxes yeah, people for spending, which discourages people from spending money, whereas the income tax penalizes people for earning money, which discourages people from earning money. I would rather discourage them from spending and encourage them to save. Mm. And the Fair Tax Act, it doesn't do that, but it's at least better in that it it, it goes in that direction. I think the fair we have we have talked about this by the way in recent weeks here on Free Talk Live. I think the fair tax is uh, terrible in that I hate all taxes and that uh, all taxes should be abolished. But I do agree with Aria that it is a slight improvement over the current situation of this incredibly complex tax code. Have you read it, Ricky? Hmm? Have you read the tax code, the uh, Internal Revenue Code? Oh, I know some things, but I mean, I've never read it cover to cover. No. Okay. How I many don't. tens of thousands of pages is it now? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. I don't I, even I, they I, know. Anybody? <laughs> huh? You know? What? I mean, has anybody read it that's not like working for the IRS or anything? Is Indeed. So IRS? how could anyone be uh, expected to follow it if they've never read it? Well, one of the things I'm looking at that's not cool is, I mean... Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, you do pay income tax, but you can take deductions now. They don't. Pay can you answer my question? How are you supposed to be expected to follow something that you've never read? 
Uh, Man, that silence was loud. Well, no, that's that's why you take your taxes to go to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Oh, but they've never read it either. Well, I mean, I'm sure they have. They no, have man. How are you sure? There have been studies that have done this. If you take like 10 different accountants and you give them all the same information, they're going to come up with 10 different results about how much money you owe in taxes. The the, the well, tax code is something like 80,000 pages or something like that. It's far too big for any human being to understand it. It conflicts with itself constantly, and it's full of loopholes and shenanigans uh, and nonsense. Vox says it's a myth, Aria. It says... It's a myth that the federal tax code is 70,000 pages. It's a mere 4,000, it claims. Only 4,000 pages of legalese. That's <laughs> not really that reading. much better. Yeah, and that's terrible. And But good luck reading page one and understanding it because it's always like referencing other sections and then like you have to stop and go to the other section to read what that says. And of course, every single word has specific definitions because it's legalese. So all the words don't necessarily mean what you think they mean because, well, in legalese, one of the, the rules is you can redefine words as you please. So you always have to check the definition section as well before you can even read, let alone one sentence of this uh, code. I mean, it's called code for a reason, right? It's encoded. As an example, I figured this out. Like right now for my cell phone bill, I have a $30 bill. Of that, like a buck 32 is uh, PA sales tax. This thing where, now, this is going to die in the Senate, but it's just the audacity it's going to the floor. But that, if this thing, and it may pass, and I hope it does pass the House. So people can see, and I want to see how many votes are going, so they can see what these guys are doing. But so, my bill is going to go from a, a buck thirty-two in tax to another nine dollars. I'm going to be paying forty dollars for the same phone bill. Yeah, I understand, and that that sounds terrible when you put it in that context. But you're also not then going to be paying the property tax or the income tax or any of these other taxes. Well, you're still going to pay property tax. You're okay. still going to be paying school tax. Yeah, ignore property taxes because that's... No, I have an issue with school tax. I, I don't have kids in school. You know, most of those guys rent. You know, and you pay school tax for the rest of your life. They don't. Well, I do have you know? an issue with paying these taxes considering I don't have kids in school. You know renters pay school tax, right? Well, yeah, supposedly does. the landlord's supposed to take care of that. You, you know yeah, that's but, included in the rent, right? Supposedly. And yeah. now that's what, that's what I don't No, understand. I can guarantee you it is. <laughs> no, no landlord is going to just make less on rent than what they're paying in taxes. They're going to charge you enough for covering the tax bill, whatever that is, and then they're going to charge you enough to cover the mortgage, whatever that is, and then they're going to charge you enough on top of that to maybe put something in the bank in case something breaks, like when your water heater goes bad or the roof starts leaking or whatever, because they, they're the ones that have to foot those bills. So that's where the rent money goes to. It goes to taxes, and it's a huge chunk, at least here in New Hampshire, that, that goes to taxes. Well, I don't know. I don't know how it is in new hampshire that's that way everywhere it's it's whether it's a huge chunk or not i don't know but it is some chunk of your rent is going to the town or city or state government well i think i would i would say at least here anyway it's small in comparison to what people pay in school taxes that have properties and things of that nature i know because from when i was uh, left my property and i for a while i rented i know you know I, mean, I really don't think you know. Now, are the school taxes included in the property taxes there? Is that how it works in, in PA? No, property taxes are separate. That's something I wanted to ask you about. I know looking at it many years ago, when I was on years ago. How do they bill the school taxes? Before you go on, how do they bill them? What do you mean how they bill them? Who has what? to pay those? 
uh, everybody that owns property. Okay, so they are essentially a property tax. There's not a bill going to people directly. It's going to whoever oh, the yeah, property there owner is. is. So uh, you there have... is. There's an assessor that comes out and checks every now and then. So you and have both a property, property tax and a school tax? Yes. Good now, Lord. I know in New Hampshire they have no school tax, but the way it used to be years ago, I don't know how it is now, used to have a very large property tax. Well, thank you. There's a there's a huge property tax in New Hampshire, and about sixty to seventy percent of it goes to the schools. Thank goodness you live now, in a commonwealth where the government's accountable to the people. Imagine how bad it would be <laughs> if you didn't. So in yeah. my case, in yeah. my case, I got a small property tax, and I have a school tax. It's six or seven times more than what the property tax is. So you own property? Yes. Okay. Are they billed on the same bill, or do they come as separate bills? They come in separate bills because gotcha. they come out different times of the year. Is it only once a year that you have to pay the school tax? Uh, you have to pay it by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you so know, that's what happens is the landlord gets the school tax, the they get the property tax, and they factor it into the rent. That's how they figure out – that's yeah. partially how they figure out the rent. Well, there's no way in hell, that, like when I was renting, that they accumulated to what I paid in school taxes. Mine actually went down in 2020. I was paying more before that. Your rent went, went down? It did go down. Well, you're pretty unusual. A lot of people have been seeing 30 to 40% increases in their rent in just the last couple of years. So you no, my were... school tax. My school tax went down. <laughs> not, well, not, lucky not you. The rent's rent sky high. You know, well, the tragedy there... Huh? The tragedy there is that even if, you know, a... Landlords' property taxes or school taxes go down. They're not going to correspondingly drop the rent as a result of that. That's the tragedy there. Ricky, thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Let's go to Gigi in South Carolina. Gigi, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Aria. Hi, everybody. Good evening Hi, to all of you this evening, listeners and the guest hosts. Welcome. Two things. Several months ago, I learned so many things listening to our beloved Reverend Captain teach us, and I emphasize the word teach, about free market economies, the true essence of capitalism, of the origins of the United States of America, and his passion for economic principles from that brilliant, brilliant economist, Ph.D. winner. Captain, do you remember I called in and I said, as a former professor, I loved your program. You were brilliant that night. Uh, unfortunately, the captain is not on the show tonight. He is on uh, Saturdays and Sundays typically, is but usually Ian? not Usually not on during the week. Yeah, it's Ian and Aria in oh, the studio I tonight. Oh, I your pardon, Ian. Excuse me. You two gentlemen have a similar voice to me. But today on NPR, I was listening to a program with an economy professor who was saying exactly what the captain had taught me several months ago. And I and was, was listening attentively and saying to myself, bravo, captain. Okay, but what was and it that it you was learned? A, yes, it was the program on NPR, Eastern Standard Time here in Charleston at 2 p.m. called Think out of Texas, and an economy professor was speaking. I don't remember the woman's name, but she was discussing every detail that the captain taught us. Which was? What what was it? About free market economies, free market principles, 
true capitalism, no government regulations, wow. no government interference. I'm surprised they the put that on NPR. I beg your pardon? I said I'm surprised they put that message yes, on NPR. Sir, 2 p.m. here in Charleston wow. on my local NPR. Well, we station. do love the captain here. Thank you, Gigi, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and free markets, always a good thing. NPR, though, I mean, you wouldn't expect those commies to be airing information like that. I certainly would not. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, Florida teachers are hiding books to avoid felony charges. We'll talk about that coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour here. The phones are open. And you can join us and bring up whatever you want to discuss. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight in the studio, it's Ian. And Aria. And we had uh, Jeremy Kaufman with us earlier in the show uh, tonight. He unfortunately didn't have the full hour to speak with us, but he did say he would come back. Um, I... I definitely want to find out what he thinks about the future of Odyssey uh, because it seems like it is up in the air right now as far as the SEC appears to have set their sights on Odyssey. They want Odyssey to be destroyed along with Library, the corporation. Um, that The judge has yet to order such a destruction, so it has yet not yet really been determined what's going to happen. It seems as though the judge may not order Odyssey to uh, be destroyed or considered the quote-unquote successor to library and that Odyssey will be left alone, at least by this judge, at least in this particular case. But One would hope so, because Odyssey and library are distinctly separate entities. Uh, I, I just don't know what's justification, other than the fact that the government is the government and they don't like Odyssey. I just don't see what justification they could possibly have for going after Odyssey. Yeah, uh, we're still on Odyssey, and we're going to be on Odyssey because it's our favorite platform of all the video streaming platforms out there. Odyssey does uh, have streaming video. It also has archive uh, video. It has, in the background somewhere, there's some library code uh, that uh, connects it to the library blockchain. But it is, first and foremost, it is a centralized video-serving platform because it's just more efficient to centralize video serving uh, these days, unfortunately. But that's... Well, you just, you just about have to have that for streaming. I mean... You do. It, you do. Technically, we could we could stream directly from here, but you know that would entail everyone connecting directly to a feed coming from our server here in the studio, and that's an enormous amount of bandwidth. It's a lot of bandwidth, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I just wanted to bring up Odyssey because uh, I'm a big fan of Library, and Odyssey is sort of the, the spawn from, from Library. It's the, the platform that was created uh, by the Library folks back in the day, and it is the most freedom-oriented video streaming platform out there uh you can go to our channel at video.freetalklive.com and there's now something new that you can do with our channel uh given that odyssey is having a you know tough time it seems like the financials aren't looking so good for odyssey so like even if the sec doesn't completely you know slice open library and manage to uh stab uh, odyssey at the same time 
and cut it out or destroy its life, uh, Odyssey may still have a, a tough time, a tough road ahead of it, even without the the SEC. So I can uh, imagine. I don't think YouTube makes Google very much money. The the ad revenue from you know having Google is what makes them their money. I suspect YouTube is also sort of a loss for them. And I don't think Odyssey has a I wonder about that, Google yeah. that makes them any money. Yeah, I mean they're trying to do advertising. They're they do have a direct sponsorship that you can do now. You can subscribe to Odyssey, what they call Odyssey Premium, and I think it's only like three bucks a month. I don't actually see the price jumping out at me here, but it is there, like on the main page of Odyssey.com. You can. You can get subscribed to that, and then that gets rid of the advertisements on the site. But now something new that we're doing on the Free Talk Live channel at video.freetalklive.com is you can now subscribe to the equivalent of kind of like the AMP program, but through Odyssey, meaning that Odyssey now has uh, membership, as they call it, meaning that someone can, can sign up for five bucks a month. And become a silver level supporter of our Odyssey channel through Odyssey. Now, there is actually a fee, unlike a lot of the per month subscription services, like on, on Patreon, for instance, if you go to our AMPS program at amps.freetalklive.com and you sign up there for five bucks a month, it's going to cost you five bucks a month. But Patreon takes their, I don't know, 8% or 10% or something yeah. off of that. In the case of Odyssey, they actually add their fee to the $5. So when you sign up for $5, it's actually going to show you what the real total is going to be. It's going to be like $5.70 something cents. I think Patreon has a way to do that. Maybe it's GoFundMe that I'm thinking Mm. about that has a way to do that. But some of these platforms are similar to Odyssey in that respect. Add it in at the end. Yeah, so it's upfront about it at least. Sure. So you will spend a little bit more than the sort of the sticker price, but it'll tell you that before you go to the checkout. And this helps support Odyssey as well as us. A small chunk of it is going to support Odyssey. One of the things that's cool about Odyssey is they've advertised that they give like 90% to the content creators when it comes to signing up for these things. Whereas if you go to YouTube and you do one of those super chats or whatever... I'm pretty sure that's like 50%. Maybe YouTube does even have 40%. memberships now, but I have no idea how they work. A huge yeah. chunk. A huge chunk. Also true on Twitch. It's like half of it goes to Twitch to Jesus. support the platform. So if you want to actually support the show that you support, it's a terrible idea to give money to to uh, YouTube or Twitch. They're just going to take a, like half of it for themselves. Plus, so. if you use Odyssey... to you know support us, you also are helping Odyssey a little bit as well. Correct. Correct. Which is... Nice. And it will give you a, apparently a member's badge. So like when you're in the chat room, it'll show a little badge next to your username. And there's also the option, and I haven't experimented enough. I just enabled this today on okay. our Odyssey channel at video.freetalklive.com. Just click membership or click the join button at the top. Uh, but it, it does allow us to do what is called a members only chat. Now, what I haven't figured out yet about the members only chat is whether that just means that like if you're a member you can see members only during a members only chat or uh if everyone else who's not a member is locked out from the chat and it's only for for members who are chatting and given we have no members right now i don't have any way of testing it i don't know about youtube but i mean i don't know about odyssey but the way youtube handles this is only members are allowed to chat everyone else can still read the chat that's probably what it is but only members can actually continue to interact and a lot of streamers like doing that like okay for the next 10 minutes we're going to be members only or whatever oh because there is a toggle yeah 
And it's probably for that, that explains it. That then. way, you know, if if the real Cynthia or the whatever wants mm-hmm. to continue talking, she's got to pay sign five up bucks for a membership. Yeah, most trolls aren't going to do it. No. A truly dedicated troll would, but, but most would, of them aren't. Yeah, you would generally want to keep it open, except for I don't know, maybe the last segment mm. of each show or whatever. Flip it over. Okay. Hey guys, members only now. Wait, I mean, that's interesting. To do this sort of thing, we'd have to be more on the ball with reading the chats anyway. Yeah, and I guess we we probably should be, but. You know, yeah, it's tough. It is, it but really is if we're tough. only paying attention to Odyssey now that we've gotten all the others out of the way, since we're no longer using mm-hmm. Restream to watch YouTube and all these others, yeah, we pay no attention to the other chats no, it, anymore. We we can handle. I I can handle watching the. There know. is a pop out option for their chat, so I should I should like pull that the pop out thing as long as because the trick is for listeners that don't know, right? Like we're we just do the show. There's not like some producer sitting yeah. in here screening your phone calls. Uh, this is as like low budget of a show as we can possibly do and also do a, a national radio show. So like, you know, we got a dual screen computer, uh, then we can, we can, you know, we got a little bit of space. We could probably make this work. So we'll see what we can do about getting uh, an Odyssey only chat situation going on and then maybe trying to remember to do a members only thing. It also does allow us to, if we wanted to, to do like a members only live stream and to do a members only, okay, um, nice. Like members only access to videos on demand and things like that. So there's a little, there's a few more features of this that we haven't even turned on or, or flipped on or whatever. But that sounds it's, like it's cool. it could be useful for the uh, religious oriented show that I'm considering. Sort of a mm. revival of Call to Freedom, but oh, cool. Less uh, internet only. Well, uh, Call okay. to Freedom was also internet only, but more limited in scope to maybe at most once every once every week, mm. more likely once every two weeks or even once a month. So check us out at video.freetalklive.com, and you can now support Free Talk Live through Odyssey. And this is with dollars, by the way. It's not with the library credits. It's you got to pay dollars for this. That's one of the directions Odyssey decided to go in in the early days of Odyssey. Like, okay, well, we love cryptocurrency and everything, but most of our viewers and most of our you know creators they're not as necessarily crypto fanatics they they want to just get dollars in their bank account and so they added in stripe which is a credit card uh processor and so that's the way they went uh it still does have library credits sort of like behind the scenes they are still part of the site but it's don't not you need the them focus. to upload yeah and stuff? yeah you yeah. do still have to have those to upload on odyssey i mean Let's- you can't have all your eggs in one basket so i understand why they would allow dollars to be added i mean I, They're trying to compete with the big guys. You know? I, I really admire what Odyssey has done here because, you know, Twitch has the stupid bits, which oh, is so like this, stupid. Yeah, this Twitch only, it's not a cryptocurrency, this di- Twitch only currency that you can't use anywhere else and that's completely useless right. and DLive has an equivalent of that that mm-hmm. I think they're called gems or something. I don't even know. And instead of doing that, Odyssey just went with library credits, which are far more universal. So good on them for that. Well, and they just went with dollars, which... Right. Again, a lot of people have that. So if you uh, want to sign up through that, you can do that over at uh, video.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Chuck. He's in Washington State. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. You know, thank God for KTOX in Needles, California, because I wouldn't be listening to you right now if uh, it wasn't for them. to be. And I'm in Longview, Washington. Imagine that. I just love the Internet and its reach. I well, I am also grateful for KTOX. It's a great station that airs us, I think, six-plus days a week, maybe we even s- seven. We seem to have a lot of listeners who listen to us yeah. on KTOX. Yep. A lot yep. of callers. It, yep. it, it's, it, and it's a weird thing. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Now, I just wanted to uh, 
mentioned. Now, if you need somebody uh, like a guy on the street, uh, a, a QRF type of a person to go to either Portland or Seattle, I could be that guy. You mentioned that uh, you're low budget. Why would we want to send someone to Portland or Seattle? Well, I mean, if Donald Trump gets reelected, you know there's going to be a riot or something like that. I don't I think mean, I would want to put ask anyone to go put themselves in, in harm's way. And what is QRF? It's a quick reaction type of a okay. freak. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, we've always QR- said that anyone that has something to talk about can call into the show. So, I mean, if somebody felt like going to, you know, the heat of the battle or something like that and That's calling right. in, then they, I would certainly welcome their call, but I would never ask someone to go no, and put themselves no, in jeopardy. No. I, I think that's a good good idea. Now, I just want to appreciate, again, the quality of radio that you guys still offer. No, thanks. Uh, people around America. I mean, the scratchy AM thing that's off in the distance, that's still a thing. And I appreciate that. I, I mean, and, and I know there's some old timers out there that like that kind of radio. So <clears throat> that's kind of, uh, I think, what um, people like me like me are looking for. You know, they're not looking for a Glenn Beck type of a thing. They're looking for low budget. They're looking for people that will just call in. Uh, they're not looking for a producer that will say, uh, okay, what's your comment, and then hang mm-hmm. up on you after uh, oh, yeah. five seconds. Have of, you had uh, that experience calling other talk shows? Well, there's a station on the West Coast out of San Francisco called KGO. Yep. It's 810 on the AM dial. And they have a very rude... A uh, bunch of uh, a very rude cadre of of uh, producers and screeners that mm-hmm. just sit there and uh, belittle you for a little bit, and then now you know you're all pissed off, and then they want to put you on with the local host or whatever. But they've gotten rid of a lot a lot of that sound that that local host feel, and yeah. uh, you, you do that for America. The the the, the Free Talk Live does that. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate I that. The station you're uh, referring I, to, KGO, uh, for many years was, uh, if I recall correctly, KGO. a cumulus station, which is one of the biggest national-level broadcasters that's out ABC. there. And what's been happening uh, over the years, of course, especially when it comes to these big-level commercial broadcasters like iHeartMedia or uh, Cumulus. These are the, the number one and the number two. I forget which order they are at the at the moment, but they're big. And they have hundreds of, of radio stations. Is They have a ton of debt. And so these companies are you know, operating in the red, and they've never dug out from, uh, from this level of debt that they have. And of course, the price of radio stations is going down. So if they want to sell their stations, which they paid top dollar for in the 1990s, uh, the value of those stations has been tumbling, especially in the last decade, but certainly in the last 15-plus years overall. And so they can't just sell their stations away and make the money to pay their creditors because the stations will sell for a fraction of what they paid for them. So they are in the hole big time, and they the only way to get out from their perspective, is to cut, 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 cut costs. And that means that a station like San Francisco, which is, I think, the number three market or four or something like that, it's a huge market in the U.S., a station like KGO in San Francisco, which used to be like top dog, number one uh, radio station, 50,000-watt AM blowtorch with a round-the-clock news organization and, and live shows, probably, I mean, I don't know, I haven't looked at their 
their station information for a while, but I'm oh, just going to I'm going to guess it's gone yeah. all syndicated with very rare, very uh, rare local content. Yeah, that's. Uh, but I, I'm exactly. Uh, but uh, for some reason, the 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 content that KTOX and uh, Free Talk Live and different uh, little uh, mom and pops radio stations around America. They offer that I don't, you know, that we're not aware of. They they offer that kind of sound that um, is being attacked right now by the big the big dogs that people kind of, you know, uh, really get tired of. Well, I remember hearing people make the case that it's it's the small shows that are what is going to be necessary to sort of revive radio or to keep it alive because that's the only reason that people would tune in to radio is to hear their local high school sports guy talking or whatever. Exactly. And so that's exactly why I'm going to go down to buy Coastal Media tomorrow and say, I'd like to listen to Free Talk Live uh, on one of your stations. Um, I don't know if you've ever, anyway, well, I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's definitely what it takes. You know, listeners reaching out to local talk radio stations and letting them know. And by the way, oh, he just hung up, but by the way, I did look it up here. Uh, KGO huge station in San Francisco. And I had forgotten. Not, not only was my speculation correct that there's very little local content, it's zero local content now on that massive radio station with with literally decades and decades of history i mean this station goes back to the 1920s it's a hundred year old almost a hundred years old it went on in 1924 so you know 99 years ago this radio station went on and it's been a news talk station up until the 2022 was uh october 6th of 2022 kgo ended their news talk format in the middle of the midday host show he said he had wow. been informed just before going on the air that a format change would be implemented shortly, but was asked not to use the opportunity to say goodbye to listeners. This is typical, by the way, of radio. Whenever, really? yeah, whenever you get canned off a of radio, usually you never have a chance to say goodbye. There's never why not because no, that's, that's so petty. It is petty, and it's terrible. The fact that they inter- they interrupted his show. To take this station off the air. I mean, this is like the lowest blow. They couldn't even wait till the guy was done with his show. Couldn't let him wish his listeners a goodbye. Not that it would matter anyway, because what they put on in his uh, in his place is a new format, which I had never heard of before. Oh, Lord. It is called Sports Betting Radio. You've heard of Sports Talk Radio. On a sports talk radio station, they have, like, the games, right? Like, there's, you know, the Red Sox or whatever the hell they are in San Francisco, the baseball team or the football team. They'll have the the games. and then The Giants, I think. Yeah, whatever they are. And then they'll have somebody talking about them afterwards. They'll have a talk show, and they take phone calls, and they talk to sports geeks, right? Like, that's what they do. They bring on athletes and interview them and coaches and crap like that, and they just, yeah. Now, this station is called, quote, 810 The Spread. The format has no local programming, and the station's schedule is primarily sourced from the BetQL and CBS Sports Radio networks, and it is a, uh, it's an all-betting format. It's about placing bets on sports, That's which is all now legal, the show does now? The, the entire station 
It's all about... That's what I meant. Station I show. You said that's legal or illegal? As I understand it, sports betting is legal. I don't know if it's nationwide, but I know some states have legalized sports betting. I'm presuming California is one of them because this is a, a California station. So they decided they're going to like completely gut this radio station that used to actually have local content in in one of the largest markets on you know on the face of uh, of the United States. It's it crazy. sounds like it's effectively shut down. I, I mean, mean, it's it's totally. Why, why would anyone tune into that when they can get exactly the same thing from going online? It's, it's the. Uh, I mean, it is just a desperate cost cutting move by a company yeah. that is heavily uh, in debt. That is the 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 radio world these days. It seems to me that's the question that the radio world has to answer as well. Is why would people go to our radio station to hear this content that they don't control that is not on demand instead of just finding it on demand online? I don't know. And I'm, I'm, obviously we don't. I don't think radio has the answer either. But I mean, my God, like, how much can you listen to about sports betting? I don't know. I couldn't listen to any. I right? mean, sports radio would be un, unlistenable to me, but that's just because I'm not interested in the, in the topic. But at least with sports radio, you can still talk about all the things going on in sports, right? Like sports, there's a lot of different sports. And there's always some kind of drama in sports, right? Like somebody's uh, they they it didn't inflate the footballs right, and so therefore there's controversy, or somebody got arrested at the stadium, right? Like there's still news surrounding the sports world, and there's issues. There's you know trans people in sports, and there's all these controversies, right? Yeah. So you can you can you can flesh out a format with that, but sports betting, where where is the the content there? It's How do be they do this? Boring, man. I can't even imagine listening to this for, for, for more than 10 minutes. And how do they get into the, the betting and the odds and all of that nonsense if they're not also talking about and covering the actual sports themselves? Maybe they I just are. don't understand. You know, maybe they are. I don't know. I, it I'm, sounds dull. I'm almost curious enough to just tune in to see exactly <laughs> how bad this is. Well, it can't be good. Yeah. And again, all of the it sounds like all of the content that they offer is available online, mm-hmm. probably on demand so like why would anyone in san francisco tune to this station in order to listen to it don't know but anyway that's since he brought it up there's there's kgo and what has happened to a nearly 100 year old radio station with all kinds of history of being local and now it's just completely useless how the mighty have fallen yeah uh, but yeah, we are still there and we are still live. I was actually told, Aria, by one of our affiliates, and thank you to our over 180 great uh, broadcast radio affiliates across the United States. But one of them told me, and it was sad to hear this, but he said, we're the only show that he's aware of in talk radio that actually does like the old school method of doing talk radio, meaning that we get on the air, we take phone calls, mm-hmm. we talk to listeners, we talk to people who want to call in. There's apparently so many of these national shows out there that, yeah, they might take some calls here and there, but sometimes they're just recorded segments. They're not even uh-huh. they're not even humans sitting in a studio having a conversation live. Maybe they interviewed somebody, but it was done off the air. It was done, you know, in a, in a production studio or whatever. I mean, I understand that in some cases there have been cer- certainly have been times where we ran like a pre-recorded thing, but live is so much better. It's organic. You can test whether or not something is live. Indeed, and you can. Call in here, 603-283-6160. Coming up, that cake maker, he is back in the news. Plus, Florida teachers are hiding books to avoid felony charges. We'll explain it all on the way on Free Talk Live.
live. The phones are open, and you can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us on the air. You can join us online as well. Just head over to freetalklive.com. We have our own social media there. You can go to social.freetalklive.com. And you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners, as well as some people that, I don't know, they might not even know what Free Talk Live is. Uh, Mastodon is the software. It is open source. It is decentralized. And uh, it's also federated, meaning that there's thousands of Mastodons out there on the internet. They're all connected to one another by default, unless they want to disconnect from one of the servers, which some servers have done to our server because they don't like freedom of speech. They want to have control oh, over Screw them. their users, and they don't like to. They can't control our users because they don't have administrative capabilities on our server. So all they can do is cry about it. So you can go to social.freetalklive.com and you can interact uh, there. It is free. That's social.freetalklive.com. So Aria, you have a story out of Florida tonight regarding teachers there apparently hiding books. To avoid being charged with a felony? I do. New Hampshire has one of these uh, similar sort of law as well. It's called a divisive concepts law, as I understand it, which basically in New Hampshire, it restricts teachers to not covering some subjects like racism or something. I don't know exactly what the details of the law are. Mm -hmm. In Florida, they have something similar, but Florida, it's developing this reputation of being this very conservative, very anti-LGBTQ place. Okay. And that seems to be what this is about. So now Florida teachers are now hiding books to avoid felony charges under a newly signed law. Before you go on, the New Hampshire one, um, as I understand it, prohibits the teachers from teaching the kids like racism, meaning like, uh, what do they call it? There's a certain type of curriculum that's very controversial these days. Oh, that's right. What was that called? I don't remember what it was called, but I know what you're talking yeah. about, and I can't yeah, it's, it's basically where they say, like, white people are all racist and all bad or something. Well, that's and- how Fox News interpreted it, and that's how people who listen to Fox News thinks are interpreted. That's what they believe it says, but most of them have never actually looked into it. I've never looked I into it. I know Carlin Borshenko has looked into it, and she's written a book about uh, this situation, and it seems like there's something to it. Uh, so, I mean, it wouldn't surprise you to, to learn that people in the government sure. schools, the commies that are the teachers in those schools, are teaching kids to divide one another by race. I mean, that's well, I'm going off of what I read on Wikipedia, which obviously is not in-depth and it's not yeah. thorough and it's going to be slanted toward the liberal side of things anyway. But from what I read on Wikipedia, it sounded... I wish I could remember the freaking name of it. It yeah. sounded Somebody's yelling reasonable. it at their radio right I'm now, sure. I'm sure. Uh, but it is, as I understand it, it is not a felony in New Hampshire. It is just, sim- it's just right. simply against the rules. And uh, only one teacher has actually been brought into some sort of trouble about it, and it hasn't gone anywhere yet. Florida, yeah. however, is developing this reputation for being anti-LGBTQ. The conservative bastion, you know, the pro-freedom Florida is The quote-unquote free right. state of Florida, as DeSantis is apparently now promoting the state. Well, it's not free. No, it's not. Under a newly signed law in Florida, teachers across the state at all grade levels are required to have all classroom books approved by a, quote, certified media specialist. Hmm. So the state of Florida has created this new position called certified media specialist you have to oh more bureaucracy yeah you Great. have to get certified evidently and you can say yes this book is a, should be allowed in schools and this book shouldn't and mm-hmm. if you're 
if you're a teacher who you know has systematically built up a library over the years for your students to enjoy, you better make sure all of those books have been certified wow. by the state of Florida. How long does that take? It's got to be a long time. And mm-hmm. they every single book I I read a lot of books in school, most of which I got from the school library or from a teacher's classroom. Mm. It saddens me to think that some of those books I just would not have had access to. Now, teachers in some districts are being instructed to remove entire libraries of books or cover them up so they can't be accessed by students because they haven't yet been approved. Wow. The Sarasota Herald Tribune reports that teachers at all grade levels in the Manatee County School District have been instructed by the district's chief of staff to remove any unapproved books. <laughs> This is the level of book burning that we're at. That they're burning everything except the pre-approved books. For fear that any teacher, and they're not literally burning them, but they are effectively. For mm. fear that any teachers found in violation of the book banning law could face felony charges. Wow. Not even misdemeanor charges. And they show a tweet here, but I'm not going to get into it because it's very text heavy. The move is in response to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signing HB 1467 which says that all school reading material must be vetted and approved by an appointed education media specialist with the appropriate state certification. Hmm. So basically, the government is now completely in control. The, uh, the, the government, the state of Florida, is completely in control over what reading materials your kids have access to. And, and they're, they're screaming about this. They're happy about this. Like, oh, oh yeah. thank goodness. They're going to keep that book called homosexual or whatever out of the schools. Right, but, right. The conservatives love it when the government is in their control and then yeah. they can shove their beliefs down other people's throats. And that's what they, you know, they believe they're protecting the students of Florida from learning about communism or whatever, you know, trans this and that or whatever things they find to be offensive. And it's just like, well, you know, maybe that's going to work out for you. Unless the Democrats get in control of the certification board or whatever, and then they can flip the script and then right. ban the conservative books. And they just don't even consider those things. I, I, I don't know how they don't consider it. It's so obvious that it could happen, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to occur to them. The media specialist is tasked with, quote, ensuring all classroom books are free of pornography. All right. Okay. I, I guess that makes sense. And, quote, appropriate for the age level and group. And that's where you're going to really run into issues because you're going to have these books that say, oh, we can't expose kids to homosexual concepts when they're in the sixth grade. That's Mm -hmm. seventh grade material, if they ever approve it at all. The law also states that the Board of Education, aren't there already like private organizations out there that are assigning books with some sort of like levels effectively? So like this is for preteens, this is for young adults. It wouldn't surprise me if that existed. But let's give it to the conservatives here. Let's say that the state of Florida goes in this current direction of having a large uh, conservative migration, right? Because there's a lot of people that are moving from places like New York or wherever else. And they're leaving the liberal cities and liberal areas, and they're moving to more conservative states like Florida and Texas and, and so on. And I think that's great, by yeah, the way. Yeah, get out of New Hampshire while you're at it. Yes, please. Uh, New Hampshire should be for libertarians, so conservatives, y'all can move down to Florida, and it's nice and warm down there and, and have fun. So, but let's give it to them. Let's say that trend continues. Let's say that, that it never flips back. Let's say that this program continues to be conservative-dominated, conservative-controlled, and then they get to just completely set... Uh, the standards of the government schools, like they, you know, this is their dream. They want to have total control, and now they, now they do. Now individual teachers 
cannot make their own decisions about what to put in their own classrooms. And uh, and if you think that that's a good thing and you purportedly believe in free markets, then you don't really believe in free markets, right? Because you don't want to let individuals make their own choices even inside of this uh, this state system. I mean, it's their system. And sure. if they want to do that, then I guess they can – it's frustrating though because it's a terrible you know, idea. If you don't if you don't line up perfectly with what the conservatives in charge agree with cuz conservatives don't all agree with everything, right? Like there's yep. some conservatives that might want to say legalize cannabis, but other conservatives don't want to legalize cannabis. So which books are going to be allowed in the schools on that particular issue? How's that going to how's it going to break down when it comes to conservatives disagreeing with one another about these issues? Only Even time if they will stay tell. in control. Yeah, I don't know. The law also states that the Board of Education must train these media specialists to censor any books or other reading materials with, quote, unsolicited theories that may lead to student indoctrination. And they don't say it, but what they're saying there is transsexualism, transgenderism. Mm. They're, they're probably effectively banning that. Teachers told the Herald Tribune that whether they agree with the law or not, they now have to cut off their students' access to books. What about if a student brings these books into class. Obviously, the teacher can't, but let's yeah. say I have, I'm have i a student there, and my parents are cool, so I've got the book, this book is gay, and I bring it to class. Who gets in trouble then? Does the I teacher have to confiscate it? I think you would probably be exempt from any kind of charges in that case, but you probably could not leave it in the class. You could probably not put it on a bookshelf or something like that. It would probably have to remain in your possession if you gave it to another student, you'd probably be okay with that, but you wouldn't be able to like contribute it to the class bookshelf, would be my guess. And that, that's so ridiculous. If you have a lot of books like I do, probably several hundred, it's not practical to run all of them through the vetting process, so we have to cover them up. Right, because, I mean, how many of these so-called book experts, or whatever their, their term is, media advisors... How many of them are going to be familiar with all of these books? I mean, they're going to probably have to do research, if not read, every single one of these books in order to know. I mean, how are you going to know if there's no pornography in the book unless you've read the whole thing yourself? And how long is that going to take? So how long will it truly take for any teacher that wants to have all her books vetted for approval to actually make that happen? Years? And do they have an ongoing list? Is it like... I don't know. There's so many questions. I'm sure they do. They probably do. It's, it's not, not going to be efficient. It's not going to be fast. It's the government. It's not only ridiculous, but a very scary attack on fundamental rights. Uh, and then it quotes another tweet here. I was trying to quickly read the tweet to see if it was worth getting into well, the because argument, the article just sort of ends here. But the tweet does have some stuff. Okay. The argument is that you don't have your fundamental rights when you're in the government, right? right. Like if you're working for the government, and I can see this argument, you know, you work for the state, you are restricted in the things that you can and can't do because you work for the state. And uh, if you have freedom of speech, it's because you don't work for the state. You can't just do the things that you know a normal person would do because you're restricted by virtue of the fact that you've agreed to the state's stupid rules or whatever. So if you're a teacher and you want to actually have the freedom to teach, you got to get out of the state system. And that's yeah. true for the, the students as well. If you are a parent... And you're looking at this situation, you're saying, this is not academic freedom. This is restriction. This is, like you said, nearly book burning. I mean, it's not yep. quite that, but it's not as dramatic uh, as that. But certainly if a teacher was caught up on a felony charge, it would get pretty dramatic in that case. 
So if you're if you're concerned with the freedom to read and the freedom to express oneself on the pages and read those pages, then you should withdraw your children from the government school system and find a private school that has an open mind and yep. and encourage your neighbors who feel similarly you as you to do that. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Bad Slave is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Aria. Hey, thank you, uh, Ian and Aria. Um, I am uh, thoroughly convinced that you know the the problem with this whole school thing and books and banning and felonies felonies for obtaining uh you know some other book i mean that that's just off the you know it's what it's it's just off the schedule man that's just crazy is what that is and and my point is also that uh, this is what's wrong. This is this is the compromises that are bring, brought about by the fact that there's this compulsory schooling. Uh, and and uh, you know, I, I, as as the uh, New Hampshire Constitution states that the, that the the you know the the government needs to cherish uh, education. That does not translate into funding and uh, and uh, compulsory. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, position. the New Hampshire State uh, Supreme Court made some ruling within the last two decades that the government basically has to provide an education. Uh, for everybody, and and that and that's just not not a good decision. Yeah, it's really bad. The good news is that at least in New Hampshire, they've got the uh, what they call the education savings accounts, and they are allowing the sort of escape valve for families that do value the idea of uh, having a you know an independent education that's getting their kids out of these government schools it's under threat of course by the you know the leftists and the teachers uh, unions but it looks you know hopefully they'll be able to weather the storm here uh, this year and the apparently there was just some hearings at the state house and the, the these homeschoolers came in and they filled the place up and they did what they always do whenever there's a there's a threat to education freedom here in New Hampshire is they turn out in huge numbers to let the state reps know how they feel. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to see the education savings accounts continue. But again, it is, uh, it's a contentious issue right now. Isn't it silly that these people on the left don't even want to deal with the possibility of having their teachers have to compete? I mean, if the, yeah. if the public school system was so great and the teachers were so good, it wouldn't matter that people had that parents had a choice in what to do with their kids because they would choose the public schools. The fact that they seem to know that no parent would willingly happily choose the public schools, that's sort of where your problem is. And you can't fix that. All you can do is wash your hands of the situation and say it sucks. It's not going to improve the public education system sucks and be done with it. Bad slave, any well, other comments? I've, I, well, I've gone to the extent of saying that uh that uh well i call it government indoc or gov indoc because that's what it is it's indoctrination sure and 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 that that's all that they're wishing to do 
and they they want a particular limited kind of product uh, result from from their uh, indoctrination that uh, that doesn't have people critically thinking or uh, questioning authority or you know any possibility of of excellence they they just they just want what they want and 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 i'm i'm you know i think the statement that uh uh that the govind doc is in fact uh is in fact uh child abuse thank you for the call tonight bad slave i do appreciate hearing from you the number is 603-283-6160. And anybody that tries to say that, oh, Governor DeSantis, free state of Florida, freedom, anybody that buys into this nonsense down there, all you have to do is look at the budget. I mean, I, I'm, there's plenty yep. of examples of, of how big the Florida government is. And you know, this, this example you're giving us here tonight, Arya, is all about how controlling uh, that they can be. Yep. But they're not shutting down the government schools. They're no, not, they never will. No, they're not. They're not lowering the budget of the state. They hit a record high state budget the last budget they did. It's over a hundred billion dollars in the state of Florida for the government that they have there. The Florida government is a humongous government that is no is not slowing down. It's not stopping, and it's certainly not turning around and getting smaller. So, don't buy for one moment this claim of a quote-unquote, free state of Florida. It's ridiculous marketing. They're also going to rely on this this little narrative they like to cook up. Well, they're, they're not banning gay books or LGBT books. They're not saying you can't have gay books, but no, they're smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Just like if, if you... That would be easily discrimination if they right, said that. Like if you have trouble walking around, McDonald's isn't going to tell you, oh, well, look, we're not hiring you because because you only have one leg yeah. and you can't do the job. They're going to have some other reason. They're going to have to tell you a to, reason. Yeah, in some states they don't. In some states really? they do have do to. Do they really? I think so. It's some I mean, right normally you just don't get a call something back. Like that. I, I don't know. No, right to work has to do with unionizing. Well, even if they hire you and they miss you or whatever, no no one's ever going to fire you for you know being unable to walk or being a cripple yeah. or whatever. They're going to find some other reason because they're smart right. enough not to say... We're firing you because you're crippled. No, you came in late. And so is the state of Florida. They're smart enough not to say this entire apparatus that's designed to discriminate against LGBTQ people and keep LGBTQ books out of school. They are smart enough not to say we're trying to keep gay books out of school. Mm -hmm. Instead, they're going to have these age-appropriate criteria and these things that could plant unsubstantiated theories in kids' heads that one could interpret to mean transgenderism or LGBTQ stuff or whatever, and that's how they're going to do it. They're not idiots. We've got another caller on the line here. Uh, you're on the air on Free Talk Live. What's your name, caller? Hey, this is the Minor Ache. Minor Ache. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, uh, so I had a thought about the whole Crypto 6 thing going on, and I'm sure this has been thought about more than once, and I'm just late to the game. But, all right, so if crypto is money and you can be charged for exchanging money illegally, why, why is it that I can't pay taxes with crypto? It's a good question. Yeah, I think there's a strong argument that cryptocurrency is not money by the definition of the government's 
definition of what is currency and what is quote unquote funds. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to make that argument in this uh, in the case in Crypto Six because the judge already had determined that crypto is funds or Bitcoin is uh, is funds, and maybe that's going to be something we'll, we'll we'll be able to argue in the appeal. Uh, when that comes up. But yeah, you make a great point. Cryptocurrency, unless it is specifically as a stand-in for dollars, like a stablecoin would be, you could make the argument in that case, uh, perhaps. But Aren't there some towns or cities or something that allow people to pay their taxes in like Bitcoin? I think, I think yeah, maybe there was like an Ohio story about that at some point, that some Ohio business administration bureaucracy had started taking... Bitcoin or something for payments. So, yeah, there may be a, a little bit of it here and there, but at least as far as the federal government is concerned, True. there's nothing like that. But, but, I mean, isn't it supposed to be, you know, all it's legal tender for all debts or whatever? Well, that's a USD. That's the U.S. dollar. And, okay. Okay. and Bitcoin. See, I mean. Yeah. That, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Bitcoin, cryptocurrency in general, they're not legal tenders. Uh, Not in the United States. In El Salvador, I believe it was, they made Bitcoin one of the legal tenders alongside the USD. That's right. That was disastrous. and they botched. So legal tender and money are two different things? That's correct. Yeah, legal. Well, uh, generally legal tender is money, uh, but legal tender is the the officially government sanctioned money, the government uh, accepted money. Money, the money that you can pay your tax bill in, that kind of thing, that would be legal tender. In some places, legal tender is the only thing that you can use. It just depends on the way the the laws are written. That is insane. The yes, whole system's yes, insane, man. Well, For if you sure. look at your, uh, if you look, if you have any dollars in your pocket or in your wallet, you can pull them out, and it says uh, on there. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but for all debts, legal rather for all debts, public or private, I believe is what it says. And so that means that if you have a debt in the United States, then it must be payable in dollars. Even if you didn't create the debt in dollars, meaning that if I loan you uh, an ounce of gold, then in theory, you have so to dollars, be... dollars, money, and legal tender are all different things. Yeah, uh, well, the dollar is yes. a U.S. It, it is a legal tender and it is a dollar. But yes, these are all different concepts yeah, all of these have different legal definitions yes it's correct that is it, how, how do human beings live in that situation uh well most human beings That's don't ridiculous. know right like they just go ahead they go about their lives and they do the things that they do and then the federal government usually doesn't mess with them on these issues unless you actually do something like the crypto six did or library did we spoke with jeremy Kaufman earlier tonight and you create something that is a threat to the status quo that could upend the banking system. It could upend the, the sort of the way things are as far as the money system is concerned. Then you become a target. And then all of a sudden, these definitions get very, very uh, important. But for the average person, it doesn't matter because they're never going to experience this. That's just vicious. That's what they do. They are a vicious group of humans. I mean, they're essentially engaging in terrorism against the American people. And that's, I mean, the the definition of terrorism. And thank you, by the way, for the call. I appreciate the questions and the thoughts here tonight. You know, the definition of terrorism is the use of or the threat of violence in order to achieve a political or a social goal. And that's pretty much all the government does. It's an organized group of terrorists. Precisely right. The number, if you want to join the show here tonight, is 603-283-6160. The only difference between the government terrorists and the other terrorists 
is that most people haven't figured out that the government is terrorists. So they can just do whatever they want to do and then say, oh, well, we have a badge. Oh, well, we've got a uniform and somebody went into a room and voted. So therefore, it's okay when we terrorize peaceful people and put innocent peaceful people behind bars and destroy people's entire businesses that they've created over years of their lives. That's totally fine because, well, they're the government. And so people have been fooled into thinking there's something else besides a, a gang of criminals. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the third hour of the show. The phones are open. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160. You know that Colorado baker who's been in and out of court over the years? Yeah, man. The one that, you know, LGBTQ people should just stop messing they with. They just won't I mean, leave him it, alone. Just leave the dude alone. Wait, you know how he feels. You're not going to convince him. He's not going to convince you. Just leave him the hell alone. He's back in the news again in another court case. We'll tell you about what happened. This time it's a transgender cake. Of course it is. And we'll share that with you coming up here at Cien and Arias. We're going to your phone calls, though. The phones are blowing up here all of a sudden. We're going to Rob to start things out here in Hour 3. Con from Vermont. You're on Free Talk Live, Rob. Okay, so before I get into what I want to discuss, I want to say, geez, I'm real sorry that your governor there, he vetoed the legalization of cannabis again. Uh, oh, did he? I didn't hear anything about it. Yeah, yeah I have not heard I mean, about it. Yeah, I mean, what is it? He just he doesn't get it? or you know, I'm sort of surprised. The last I heard about him, he was more open to the concept than he had been previously, as I understood it. Um, I think it's a little too early to say, Rob, because the bills for this year haven't gone through both sides of the House and the Senate yet. So I, I suspect that what you're referring to is that he is likely to veto. Uh, there has not been any kind of verbal support from Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, for cannabis, uh, but the bills that are being proposed are still being heard, and and they haven't even made it over to the Senate side of the chamber yet. There hasn't even been a vote, uh, from my awareness, on uh, the House side yet. It's it. so absurd, guys. Just legalize the stupid plant at this point. New Hampshire is surrounded by states with legal pot. There is tons of pot in New Hampshire. It's really the question of when and how it's going to happen, more so than if. I'm pretty sure yeah. like most people politically in New Hampshire, they know this is going to transpire. They know that it's going to happen. The question I, is... I thought when I saw that it was in the union leader, but, you know, I mean, but whatever. But, I mean, that's not why I called. I called because, you know, you were talking about, you know radio am radio and stuff like that and you know but am radio is just it's all the stuff that you hear from them is just all from the government and they you know that's the way that they sort of control people you know and you have other public officials like like the police that come into the am radio shows they tell you you know how things are going to be and you know, members of the city council and, you know, the county attorney and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it happens all over the place around the, around the, you know, the United States. And these are the people that make 
the decisions for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And until the people stand up and say, well, no, we're not going to do that. And it has to come from the people. You know, it's like, you know, the poor guy that was beat to death down in Tennessee. You know, the people need to stand up. We need to start uh, the largest grassroots movement that this country has ever seen. We need to hold the police accountable. They need to turn over qualified immunity. Get that the hell out of it. I appreciate the the passion, Rob. I I mean I, I do fired def- up, man. I do definitely want to see qualified immunity go away. I it makes me wonder if there's any bills in front of New Hampshire uh, State House this year to do that. Um, that's one worth worth looking into for sure. I, I've been avoiding this because from what I've heard, it's really, really grisly and barbaric as I understood it, Rob. I, I haven't seen any of the videos, but... Oh, the they, recent beating yeah, in Tennessee? They, they beat this dude to death, right? Like Kelly Thomas, the, the schizophrenic guy. He died guy three and, days later because of the injuries. But yes, I mean, they, they beat him to death, just not... He didn't die at the scene. Right. Well, neither did Kelly Thomas, but I mean, they caved his skull in with flashlights. Right. You know, the thing that really gets me most of all about this police beating down in Tennessee is that, you know, I learned last night that that guy was a brand new dad. Jeez. You know, and it just, it, it just enrages me when I hear, you know, stuff like that. It really does. And, and I'm hoping that the things that I'm sharing, that people will listen to this and take this seriously. You know, I don't know what else to say, but I'm know that I'm really upset, and I hope a lot of other people, you know, will take into this march and, and protest peacefully. But we need more people. Thank you, Rob, for the thank you. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, where we really need more people is libertarians migrating to New Hampshire. We need more libertarians, preferably libertarian activists, people that are willing to actually pick up and get active uh, when they get here to help us achieve more liberty in our lifetime. It's, you know, we've, we've made a tremendous strides here in New Hampshire with the few thousand migrants that we've had so far. I mean, it can't be more. I've heard, I think Stephen Nass, who's a seacoast uh, migrant, has estimated as high as 8,000. I just don't buy it. I don't think that's... Maybe overall, but a lot of those have also moved away. No so. way. There's just no way. I mean, the last time I saw the Free State Project's numbers, it was like three or four thousand or something like that. And and I well, mean, is I everyone who moves here as part of the Free State Project going to be registered to that? Or no, no, there could be more than than that. That's true. Uh, but they started counting like the in-state people at some point as well. So oh, the numbers right, have did. gotten kind of muddy. Over the years, and so it's not real clear how many, at least last I heard, it wasn't real clear from the Free State Project how many people had moved. They did say they had a record record number of movers in 2021. I have not heard what the numbers were for 2022. I know they're having their Porcupine Day coming up, I believe, this weekend. So presumably that information will be uh, given out at that time. I'm hoping that they have more people that moved in 2022 than yeah. moved in 2021. So, I mean, it would be great to keep seeing new records being broken, seeing over a thousand people move, because I believe that's what it was in 2021. Was over a thousand uh, free staters made their move. It was more free staters moved in that one year than in the past ten years combined. Well, there so, was COVID nineteen, yeah, that spurred a lot of people. Oh crap! I should probably actually get somewhere where I can be along like my, right. like minded people. Get serious, yeah. Do something. 
take action uh, because libertarians elsewhere are not, you know, even if they're quote unquote serious, they're not doing anything of serious note. They're not getting any kind of serious media coverage. No, they're fighting over county affiliates and who they're going to send to the national convention and they're going to fight at the national convention and still accomplishing nothing. They're not beating out the Republicans and Democrats. That's for sure. And the Republicans and Democrats aren't even concerned about libertarians anywhere else here. Oh, yeah, they're concerned about the libertarians. The Democrats know that the libertarians have taken basically, not quite, but are on the process of taking over the Republican Party. They're aware of that. And, and it depends on where you're at, right? Like here in Cheshire County, while we were active among the Republicans, like half of the Republican committee or half of the Republican county, whatever it would be called, were effectively libertarians. You mean the Keene one? Yeah, that's, that's what I meant, county. Yeah. I mean, that's what I meant, Keene, not county. Yeah, and then they booted us off after a little while. They did. So they, you know, we, we didn't have much success here on that one, but Cheshire County's a Democrat-held uh, zone right. anyway. But, you know, the Democrats were actually marketing during the campaign this year against the Free Staters. They were trying to alert the Republicans to the Free Staters in their midst to try were, to... But the messaging was so unclear. It was bad. Right? It was like... This person supports public school freedom and it's like or education freedom is like this this is your slander attack that this person supports education yeah. choice. I've got to remember to change my registration soon though, because I'm I'm sick of being a Republican. I'm not a Republican, so I'm right. sick of having that R there and I've trolled the Republicans. I'm done doing that. There's not much more joy I can get out of trolling the Republicans at this point. Sure. And I think the Democrat is a more suitable home. For me. I think it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, and I know, did you, uh, didn't you sign up for their email list or something at one point? They never, did they ever send you anything? The Democrats? Yeah. Not to my knowledge. Not to my memory. You don't recall signing up for it or no. they never sent you anything? I don't recall signing up for it. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Cause I'm curious to, to see how they handle your appearance at their meeting or whatever and see. Cause like the Republicans were kind. They were well, at least to your face. They were, yeah, they to were my welcoming face. to you. Uh, and I wonder how the Democrats will be, if they will be the same way. Kind to my uh, face? Yeah. 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 yeah we'll, that's how people are, right? We'll see. We'll see about that. Especially these politically motivated people. that They'll be like, oh, well, we, we love trans people. Welcome, Aria. And then <laughs> and as soon as doors back. close, they're like, yeah. what can we do to get that tranny out of here? <laughs> she's not a real tranny. Right. She's not one of the community right. or whatever. She's not one of the collective. The collective. What is she doing what... <laughs> here? She's friends with the Free State Project right. people. She's not a real Democrat. Democrats like, no, 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 look, I agree with your policies more often than I disagree with them. And I agree with your goals uh, almost 100%. I just prefer a different path to get there. One that is focused on freedom and individuality rather than collectivism and oppression. Yeah, I like to say uh, when I was a Democrat here in New Hampshire and running for governor that I'm progressing toward freedom. Yeah, right. You know? uh, but I'm tremendously progressive. I'm probably more progressive yeah. than your average Cheshire Democrat. Right. Uh, so I'm sure you'll update us as that drama yeah, continues. Yeah, I got it. I'm going to do that. What is tomorrow? Tomorrow's Wednesday. I think I can it do is. it tomorrow, actually. All right, cool. I got out of work at four, so that gives me plenty of time to pop over to City Hall and make that little change. change it up. Uh, I since- will be happy. I'm not going to lie. I will be happy to not have an R next to my name. Indeed. So Rob did bring up the question of cannabis legalization here in New Hampshire, and there is news about it today, but it's not anything about what the governor is or isn't per se going to do. It's about, uh, is it going to get through this year? And, and it does address whether or not the governor is going to do anything about it. 
Uh, The story here is from Ethan DeWitt from the New Hampshire Bulletin, and they say that efforts to legalize cannabis are coming back this legislative session, because it comes back every time. Uh, After years of defeats, lawmakers have tried simple legalization bills and complex legislation. Both approaches have crashed against opposition in the state Senate. But this year, supporters say they're coming at the problem with their biggest coalition yet. A sprawling bill to legalize the drug, allow for it to be grown at home, and regulate and tax retail operations is set to be introduced in New Hampshire's House this year and has the backing of House Majority Leader Jason Osborne, who's a free stater, by the way, and House Democratic Leader Matt Wilhelm. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's a, as they describe it here, a rare joint effort. I don't know if joint was used uh, purposely. <laughs> the session's effort has a diverse array of backers in the state, from the ACLU to Americans for Prosperity to the Marijuana Policy Project. Supporters say the final bill is the result of months of discussions with a number of stakeholders. And legalization advocates argue they have their best chance of delivering a bill to Governor Chris Sununu's desk, pointing to a handful of freshman Republican senators who may push them over the line, including the very first ever Free Stater New Hampshire Senator oh, Keith that's Murphy. Right. We did get one elected. Yeah. That's right. And there's only 12 senators, right? 24. 24. Okay. 12 counties. Okay. Yeah. Nope. 10. Okay. Then I don't know. Why are there 24 senators? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Somebody drew a map. All right. <laughs> uh, still, recent history is not on supporters' side, and the Senate can be fickle no matter who sits in it. Sununu, who has veered between opposing cannabis legalization to expressing cautious openness, has not given indications of his position. And while public opinion in the state supports legalization, and has for a long time, by the way, police unions and some health-focused organizations have still urged a restraint, suggesting a combative year ahead. Matt Simon, who's also a free stater, a longtime legalization advocate who helped craft the latest bill, is optimistic. He said, quote, I think what's going to be different this year is we seem to have a really engaged, diverse coalition that has bought that is all bought into this. He serves as the director of public and government relations at the Prime Alternative Treatment Center. That's one of the uh, medical cannabis distributors here in New Hampshire. He's also been a marijuana policy project administrator for some time. Uh, the main leg- legalization bill is ambitious. Now, there are several legalization bills that are that have been put forward this year. Bonnie and I went to the State House last week, and I spoke on one of them that is actually, in my opinion, the best one that I've read in, at, at least so far this session, the best one I've heard about. It would basically just end prohibition of cannabis for people 21 and up. Nice. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, don't, don't add a new law. Repeal old laws. Correct. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, and it would still be a violation or something for people 18 to 21, and, you know, it'd still be some sort of a ticketable offense or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so it's not a total end of prohibition for under-21s, but for over-21s, it would basically allow for possession. And the way I read the bill, it would also allow for growing in sales. Well, isn't it ticketable now? Isn't that what they do if they catch Decrim. you a pot? Uh, yeah, ticket will, uh, it's up to a, I think it's a hundred dollar fine if you get caught with up to three quarters of an ounce, but this would eliminate that restriction. Right. So it would be no ticket if you're over 21 and I don't think there's a limitation on the amount that you can have. I could be wrong, but that was my reading of the bill. It seemed to just be striking things from the law rather than writing a bunch of new paragraphs. So that one I liked, I think it was like uh, HB360. If you go to freekeen.com, you can see I've got video footage of the entire hearing. So if you want right. to kind of see 
what transpired. But it wasn't a well-attended hearing, uh, even though it was held in the full state house. That's because the bill they're talking about in this article, the one that has both the Republican and the Democratic House leaders support the sprawling, that's the complicated, sprawling bill. complicated one. Yeah, that's the one that's got the the oomph, the political uh, support. Behind well, it's it. got to be sprawling to get the Democrats behind it. I'm curious, how right. often do New Hampshire police, state police, city police, county sheriffs, whatever, how often do they actually enforce any sort of pot law? How not, not do they much ticket someone? Days. Or right, not since decrim. Just about everyone I know smokes pot. I'm one of the few people I know at my job who just do doesn't smoke pizza pot. Place. Right. And just about all of them smoke pot. Most of them do it openly. It's right. not uncommon to like go to the bar after work on a Sunday night, especially when the weather's warmer so people are sitting outside. Yeah. And there are people, people, people just right there on the sidewalk of really? Main Street smoking pot. That is what I like to hear. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that, Aria. I did not know it had gone that far. It, uh, yeah, especially from these college kids. I mean, they yeah. don't like sit there passing around bowls or whatever right. but you smell pot you see the people smoking you, it's obvious you know they're smoking on. pot yeah and you know that's the way it should be treated it should just be we're okay there's some people there smoking pot oh look they're also having a drink yeah. oh look they're also smoking a cigarette none of this crap is my business because it's not affecting me they're grown adults making decisions about what to put in their body oh that person's eating a nacho mm-hmm. they can't have that cheese that's bad for them Technically, the public consumption of cannabis is still illegal, even though decriminalization is a is a thing. Um, smoking it in public is actually a, still. I mean, it's not like a misdemeanor right. or anything like that, but it is still a crime, quote unquote. Is it, that's where you get the ticket, right? Mm, well, I mean, that would certainly lead you to a ticket for possession, but I think the actual consuming it of in of cannabis in public is also a separate charge oh see they need to get rid of that too. Then I agree, but uh, but it it pleases me to know that people are doing it anyway. Uh, well, yeah, it's you know, pot. Who cares? Yeah, and it has gotten to that point where the police are basically looking the other way. So this bill is going to allow adults 21 and up to possess and use cannabis as well as grow up to six plants. According to a framework of the bill released in December, it also authorizes businesses to cultivate cannabis and sell it and create the process for the state to license those businesses and tax them under the meals and rooms tax. Now, as a libertarian, I'm against taxing cannabis. I'm against you know all taxes, period. But um, you know, understanding that in order to pass a cannabis legalization bill, generally there's got to be some kind of tax attached to it. This is one of the least offensive proposals because it actually just kind of uh, piggybacks on an existing tax. So it technically doesn't create a quote unquote new tax. It just simply adds cannabis to the meals and rooms tax. So it would then become the meals, rooms, and cannabis tax, which when you go out to eat in New Hampshire or you get a hotel room or a campsite, there's a what is now an 8.5% fee. It actually was lowered from 9, I think, last year, the year before. Uh, So it's good that they lowered it. Maybe they'll lower it again. uh, That would be nice. Yeah, 8.5% on those things. And so this bill would just simply add cannabis to that. So that's good because you know it's bad because it's a tax. It's not a, but it's I don't like not the precedent though of taking things that aren't mills and aren't rooms and applying this tax to them. Maybe next to like okay, well, alcohol. Let's mm. add this meal and room tax to that. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, whatever else they want to add, gasoline or a bag well, of chips at a gas, gas station. But, Let's add that to the mills and rooms. And once they start adding anything yeah, it could be to bad. mills and rooms. Now you've got a new sales tax. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely share that concern. Uh, but that said, it would make cannabis the least taxed, or at least in New Hampshire, 
of all of the states in which cannabis has been legalized, New Hampshire would be the lowest of those states as far as taxes are concerned. All right, so, well, that's that's something. Yep, that would be good. And also, I don't believe there's any proposal to have wholesale-level taxes. So, like, in Washington State or Colorado, I believe, definitely in Washington State, there's, like, a wholesaler's tax and there's a retailer tax. So, like, every at every point the cannabis changes hands, it gets hit with a tax. So, there's really... it's. There's a lot of taxation right. on cannabis over there, uh, so that's, well, that's not why the they're paying here. what forty dollars for you know a, what we would have called a dime bag. I don't know if it's that bad over there, but uh, I don't know what it's actually because I've never I haven't smoked pot since it was legal anywhere. I quit smoking pot around the time that I think Colorado got recreational. Like that was a long time ago. So it says here that that is a departure under the last major cannabis bill in the House. The bill that passed the House last year would have authorized only state-run liquor stores to sell cannabis products, with the state collecting the profits rather than taxing private businesses. Last year's effort passed the House, which was a terrible, terrible bill, but received criticism from legalization advocates who bristled at the state's monopoly over sales. I'm so glad that bill didn't Yeah, that's uh, a terrible idea. Yeah. So, I mean, New Hampshire does seem, for whatever reason, they handle alcohol sales very well, for the monopoly they have. I mean, people come here from Vermont to buy alcohol from our stores that are state-owned. I, and I applaud New Hampshire for managing to have this monopoly and still having the lowest prices you can find. Mm-hmm, that's true. But I don't, want, I don't want to expand that monopoly into other industries. And I don't understand why the state of New Hampshire has a monopoly on liquor in the first place. What sort of nonsense is that? Why it's is prohibition. The, why is the state selling alcohol? Can, can someone please explain that to me? I would expect Walmart to sell alcohol, the gas station to sell alcohol. Why in the hell does, is the state of New Hampshire in the business of buying and selling alcohol? I don't know. Let's go to the phones, though. Olivia is on the line in Arizona. It's just a, de- you know, they had prohibition and they still have prohibition. It's just a different form. Yep. Olivia, go ahead. Hey, I had a couple of comments about the uh, cannabis prohibition uh i work at a store called ross dress for less and i'm currently actually in texas at the moment i'm trying to get back to arizona but i'm currently in texas where Hmm. cannabis is illegal and what's really funny about this store it's like a like a department store with all kinds of discount things so you never know what you're going to find there but we carry a lot of cannabis themed items like not just shirts and shoes and hats and socks, but also lately they have had a lot of dog toys with with cannabis leaves on them. I'm not wow. even making this up. And uh, I don't know. It just it just kind of makes me laugh because it's like here's this thing that's so illegal they will ruin your life over it. But you can get the little symbol stamped all over. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, products. Ross knows their audience, right? They know they've got a lot of people that shop in their stores that use cannabis and appreciate cannabis, and they're more than happy to make money off of those people. Meanwhile, if they get caught with cannabis in Texas, they're going to prison. Right, right. And, and the funny thing is, when people come in, uh, occasionally you'll have someone who comes in really smells very strongly, like they just got through. <laughs> Uh, with their recreational activities and like managers and people I've worked with they'll kind of like roll their eyes hold, hold, like- a, hold your thoughts Olivia if you have more to share we can continue with retail cannabis stories uh, if you want to join the show you can also bring up anything you want here on Free Talk Live
It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. We have time for you. It's Ian and Aria in the studio, and you can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. You can uh, support the show by going and becoming a Free Talk Live uh, AMPS supporter over at amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com is a way for you to help us advertise, market, promote, and support what we do here on Free Talk Live, talking about the ideas of liberty, peace, and freedom, cryptocurrency, things like that, seven nights a week on broadcast radio and beyond. Uh, you can join that over at amps.freetalklive.com. we got Olivia on the line in Arizona calling in. Uh, she works at a uh, clothing store, a retailer, and you were just kind of talking about your experience working in Texas uh, temporarily. I guess they, they moved you out there for some reason. And that, of course, is a state where cannabis is still quite illegal. And you moved from Arizona where they had legalization several years ago, if I recall correctly. And you were kind of telling us some uh, some of your experiences there. Yes. Yes. So sometimes people come in and they really reek of smoke. And I think back in the day, people used to be extremely scandalized by that. Hmm. Because uh, I've always had family here in Texas, but lately uh, people just kind of roll their eyes and they just kind of like laugh it off, like hmm, wonder what he's been doing. Yeah. That's one of the things uh, I miss about like smoking pot way back in the day when I was a delivery driver mm-hmm. for you know a Domino's down in the south, where like I would roll up to a customer's house and, and like smoke would just billow out of my car. Not quite as bad as a Cheech and Chong movie, obviously, but all I did all night long was drive around smoking pot. And then I would just, you know, get out and hand the people their food. And almost universally, dude, I forgot your drink. Really? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> please don't make me go all the way back to the store. And like, all right, man. Because I just reeked a pot, right? Usually, Ooh, whoops, I forgot your tip. Yeah, usually I would be like, all right, I'll just knock the drink off of there or whatever. Because I, right, I was the good. driver supervisor or whatever. You could then. do that. So I was, yeah. Okay, that's I mean, good. we used to, Dude, I loved that job. It was so much fun. At the end of the night, we legit sat in the back of the store and smoked pot in the store oh yeah i mean and, and oh, yeah. our general manager our store manager was the one doing it with i us. believe like, it. All, all three of us back there smoking pot every night it i never great. worked in in pizza but i knew people who did and i'd seen that happen i've seen the whole crew go out back yep. and get high <laughs> together including the manager olivia was there anything else you wanted to share sure yeah everyone everyone knows and loves someone who has or currently uses cannabis um the majority of my family and friends do. I had a medical card when I was in Arizona. And I just want to say it's amazing to me that so many plants are highly toxic that are used in landscaping, and they are not illegal. Plants mm-hmm. like oleander or datura, or it's called angel's trumpet, mm-hmm. or uh, even rhododendrons and azaleas. These are all highly lilies. These are toxic plants. Um, with oleander, if bees make too much honey out of the pollen, it will poison you. And wow. none of these are banned, nor should they be. I don't necessarily think, but this plant that literally calms people down, mm-hmm. helps them through uh, all kinds of medical illnesses, and it's just fun for some people. It's not personally fun for me. I really did use it in a medical uh, sense, but some people just enjoy it, and what is wrong with that? I think we need to get over whatever. I have no idea how they were able to create this huge lie. It is the most insane thing. People need to stop believing what they hear people say and actually, I guess, experience it for themselves, honestly. Yeah, I I think you make a good point, Olivia, that probably everyone knows and loves someone who uses cannabis. Whether they know that the person uses cannabis or not is really the only question. 
Is there anyone out there who themselves, I mean, honestly, at this point in 2023, is there anyone out there themselves who has never smoked pot? There must be. Absolutely. Over the over the age of 18 and under the age of 65. There's got to be plenty of people that have not smoked pot. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. It may be less than right. a majority. Right. But, um, I think it's got to be extremely rare. My mom is like a super religious authoritarian type, and mm-hmm. she is very proud that she has never done that. Yep. Um, you know, some people just really take pride in in following arbitrary rules for some reason. I don't know why they think they're better than people because they don't know the truth. Like it's it's really strange. But August yeah. of 2021, a Gallup survey found that nearly half of U.S. adults have tried marijuana. The number is up. Uh, from 45% in 2017 and 2019 to 49%. These are people who have tried at least one time in their life, so not current users. The number of people who currently use cannabis is 12%. Of Man, the I don't know States. if I believe that. I feel like there were some people who were lying in that poll. My, my gut just tells me, and I realize it's a gut feeling, so it's not reliable, and I'm probably wrong, and I'm arguing with the Gallup poll here, but my gut tells me, incorrectly granted, that more people than that have smoked pot at some point. I, I would guess it's probably well, closer to 70%. At, yeah, I mean, demographics, though, you got to keep that in mind as well. Um, maybe younger people might be more likely to yeah. have tried it. They do break down by generations here uh, that uh, millennials in 2015 through 2021, 51%, Gen X, 49%. Boomers, 50%. Traditionalists, people described as born before 1946, only 19%. So the older, the oldest generation, the people who are older than the baby boomers, are the least likely to have smoked cannabis. And but that it makes seems sense. to hit 50% and just sort of hover there at yeah. the 50% mark. It does, which is strange. I don't know. Maybe maybe I buy that. Maybe. maybe I don't but it know. would make sense. The, gen, uh, gen, the bo- baby boomers would have been the people who... Uh, so my parents were born in the early 1950s, and they would have been teenagers in 1969, which was like the peak time for hippies and you know free love and marijuana. Were those boomers, though? I, boomers. I guess they were very early. The early boomers, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but prior to that, not not so many people had had used cannabis. Anyway, thank you, Olivia, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Joe in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, hi Ian. Hi, how are you? How you doing? What's tonight? on your mind tonight? Okay, uh, it popped up on my phone, and uh, it's a video. Uh, it's an attorney. He's Andrew Pellucci out of uh, Virginia. And uh, he does, like, funny skits and everything. He says, yeah, like, don't talk to the police. Okay, good don't, advice. Don't uh, let the police search your car. Don't let the cops in your house. As a matter of fact, he teaches, teaches you, don't even answer the door. Hide. <laughs> And they're funny videos. Also, like pretty awful. good advice. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you, as I understand it, and I'm not an attorney, but uh, if the police are at your door, if they haven't busted the door down, then and they don't have a warrant to do that, right. then you've no obligation to, you know, answer the door for them. And if they do have a warrant, check the name, check the address, check the dates, check for a judge's signature, mm. because well, my dad had a vehicle repossessed. I don't know what that sound is. I don't know is. either. I'm going to turn but it down. But my dad had a vehicle repossessed because he was a piece of crap who never paid for anything. And mm-hmm. they sure enough, they showed up at our house with a court order that was not signed by a judge. 
And if my father, despite all his flaws, had not been smart enough to look through this and check for the signature, he would have lost his car. If it's not signed by a judge, it ain't in order. Nope. It, it was a meaningless. It was an attempt by the owner to the owner just of or the leasee, whatever it was, just typed up this thing and you know, wow. had some friends show up. It's like here's with a tow truck. We're taking this vehicle now. We got this order here, and I wow, guess that's, that's not considered perjury. I, I I don't know how that. I guess he Broad. never claimed it was signed by a judge. Hmm. He just sort of implied it. All right, Joe. What else? Okay. Well, the reason why I brought him up was because he had mentioned that. He has a Bitcoin tip jar on his desk. And I just thought that was so funny in a video. I think that's great. Uh, more attorneys uh, should be taking cryptocurrency. There aren't enough of them that do. We've got a couple here in New Hampshire. Thank you, Joe, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, we continue with Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, yes. Um, there's a bill going up in the roundhouse about getting um, free sanitary napkins and um, products for schoolgirls here. Um, you Does know, this they, make you excited? <laughs> well, you know, it, it just kind of, kind of, you know, interesting that it popped up. That I had to look it up. A sanitary napkin is apparently a pad. I did not realize what exactly that terminology was. I'd heard it used before as like a quote-unquote feminine product, but I'd never actually looked yeah. into what it meant. It is a uh, a pad for menstruation. Okay. Thank yeah, because I didn't that, know. Well, well the men, men, menstruation products will be available that they're trying to pay for so that girls could get it like a soda pop or a snack machine. I, I don't know if, it, if they have to pay for it or what. But I would assume they would not I, have to pay for it. And I, I'm, I'm totally okay with this. I mean, if the government's going to spend money on stuff. If you're going to force... Uh, teenagers to be in your school, which is like, you know, day prison. If you're in prison, they got to provide you with a tampon or a pad. So it would make sense that you would get the same thing from the day prison of the government school. So I yeah, mean, that makes just, sense. It's just like toilet paper. I- imagine going to a school and them saying, oh no, we don't provide our students with toilet paper. That's commie nonsense. <laughs> you got to bring your right? own from don't, don't bring that commie crap here your, with yeah. your cottonelle or whatever. No, it's common sense that these basic hygiene products should be provided mm-hmm. by the school. It can't Makes really sense. cost that much money. No. And in the grand scheme of things that schools are doing, I can think of a lot more objectionable stuff than giving tampons to girls who need them. Yeah, Sarah, I guess wow. we're going to agree with you on this one. Yeah, but you know why did it take so long? And the thing is that it's it will cost because it's government. Dollars. The re- well, the reason that they're doing this, it's very expensive to buy like Playtex that really work well. Play- those they're not going to buy Playtex. Like seven dollars. No, Sarah. Like they're seven dollars. Have you ever used the, Have you ever seen the toilet paper they use in public schools? I, I don't. You, you think they're just going to be get the cheapest thing? Yeah, they yeah. They're going to get the cheapest thing possible. They're and not you know buying Playtex. They don't need to be buying Playtex either. They don't I, need, I agree. It's just a damn pad. Thank you for the call tonight, Sarah. Uh, the number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you want the highest quality, get your own damn pads. Otherwise, here's the ones the government gives you. That makes sense. Yeah, I to think me. that's a good middle ground. And you know, I don't want the school doing any of this. I don't want governments taxing. I, I would much rather the public school have some sort of fundraiser thing to pay for these things. But whatever, we're going to use taxes for it. I can still think of a lot more objectionable things they could sure. use tax money for. That said, I'm not a fan of it. 
I don't want the kids to be forced to be there. But yeah, I want them to shut the whole government schools down. But in the meantime, if you're going to force somebody to be there, then you got to give them a place to pee and you got to give them some food and whatever, right? Like yep. you, you are essentially, uh, they are your ward in that particular case. And you got to keep the ward alive. You know, at, at, at the it's bare their minimum. responsibility. <laughs> uh, the, the government, you know, we've talked about how the the government at all levels has no obligation to protect you. There's been these Supreme Court right. cases. There's an exception to that. And the exception is if you are their ward, if you are in their custody, you they right. actually do have some sort of obligation to, like, keep you alive. Right. Like they don't do a good job at it. The healthcare yeah. in the government prison system sucks. And they, you know, certainly aren't obligated to give you good health care, but they are to some extent obligated to keep you breathing. Yeah, if they see you choking, they are legally obligated to attempt to do the Heimlich maneuver or whatever mm-hmm. in order to, you know, keep you yeah. alive. Whereas if you're out there choking on the streets, they could legally walk right by you. That's true. Yeah, that's a fact. And I suspect most of them would not, but, you know... When you're in their custody, it's not up to their discretion. We go to David in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. David, go ahead. Yeah, first of all, hello to the my friends at the FBI listening in. How you doing, guys? What's on your mind? Gals. Lots of things. Um, the uh, How are you tonight, David? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, better than you, Aria, James. Okay. I, I don't James know. Aria. I'm doing pretty great. I'm doing pretty great, man. In fact, my boyfriend okay, hello, told me James. yesterday that I was smiling in a way that he had never seen before. I was oh, smiling with my eyes, he said. Must, I like must that. got laid for the first time in a while, huh? Who, me? Um, yeah, so yes, David, I never clown. get laid. <laughs> never. I, well, you look at, uh, yeah, well, I, I can believe that, Ari. I can believe that. So <laughs> Speak facetious. In, uh, Go ahead, David. What do you got? Yeah, Chuckles the Clown in Longview. Uh, don't believe anything or a word that uh, my buddy Chuckles says. He's Who's Chuckles? Uh, Caller from earlier. Chuck. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. my buddy chuckles. Um, <laughs> David, how do you have so many disputes with other callers, man? I, this I is new to me. I, I said my buddy. You, I said my buddy chuckles a clown. He'll he'll he'll, he'll fill you. I don't in. think okay. I don't think calling somebody a clown is generally something that is considered an endearing term. But you also well, said not to take anything he said seriously. Ask chuckles the clown about it if he takes the. We're not going to bother hey, if he wants to comment on it. He can. But what and, what else, man? Kate, well. Kate talks. There was a there was a, an allegation, a credible allegation by a caller into Ktox, Kotex, whatever you want to call it, maybe Playtex, um, <laughs> that the the oh, and let me interject. God, in a can you just finish a damn <laughs> sentence without interjecting yourself? No, 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 no. No, you guys, you guys need to bump up your IQ so you can follow along at home. So I'm trying, I man. Have a neighbor. I, I'm still I back there neighbor. on Playtex, though. Aria, Aria, I mean James. James, no matter how hard you try, you'll never be able to follow along. Never. Never. Okay. never All right, never. goodbye. Yeah, sucks. It wasn't even me he this time, David. Dead, he didn't have to be dead naming you like That's that. That's true, he didn't. But it the, wasn't even me this time, David. I would have yeah. hung up on you too, though. So. <laughs> At the number, 603-283-6160. Just get the damn point out. He, he just interrupts himself 
all the time. He's he's ostensibly calling about one thing, but he wants to talk about five other things prior to finishing the sentence about the one thing that he's calling about. I have to admit, that was weird. I don't think I've ever heard someone interrupt themselves like that. that that's absolutely Except for David, because yeah. he does it all the time. Yeah, that's absolutely okay. the only way of putting it. I'm used to other people interrupting one another. I mean, and here on the radio, that's more or less how conversations have to sure. happen. But David... Honest to God interrupts himself. Cannot make a straight point. Uh, so speaking of straight, the Colorado baker who has been in and out of the news for the last, I don't know, 15 years. It feels like this guy's been picked on for almost as long as I've been on the radio. I, I'm curious as to know when it was that this dude first got into a legal uh, battle. I feel bad for the guy at this point. I mean, he's just trying to have a career. They've made his whole life. This battle against LGBTQ people, when really all all people had to do was leave them the hell alone. 2012, according to uh, this story here at CBSNews.com, it was 2012 when this gentleman first got brought into court. He's a Colorado baker who has previously won a partial U.S. Supreme Court victory after refusing to make a gay couple's wedding cake because of his Christian faith, has now lost an appeal in his latest legal fight involving his rejection of a request for a birthday cake celebrating a gender transition. Wait, I remember this. We we covered this when it happened. Uh the uh, it was an attorney who did this and she went across she like went from one city to another. She chose this guy specifically mm. and targeted him. I don't remember all of the specifics, but I do remember that she was from several towns over. Or maybe it was a he. I I don't remember. Well, according to the story here, uh the Colorado Court of Appeals has ruled that the cake that Autumn Scardinia requested from Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop was to be pink with blue frosting. The court in Colorado said the cake is not a form of speech. It also found the state law that makes it illegal to refuse to provide services to people based on protected characteristics like race, religion, or sexual orientation does not violate business owners' right to practice or express their religion. That's fundamentally not true, though. He has the right, damn it. To say, no, I don't want to bake you this cake. You don't have the right to tell him he has to use a pink cake with blue frosting. Right. He doesn't, in my opinion, he doesn't even need to mention his religion. He should have the right, based on being the business owner, to say, I don't want to make a cake for you. And he doesn't have to tell you why. Now, I think he should be able to. I think he should be able to say, I don't like you trans people. Right. And I don't want you coming in my store. And I don't know if that's how he talks, but I, I think you should I'm be probably. able to. I mean, why the hell would you want this guy to bake you a cake? I don't right? know. If, if I I was like, okay, well, why do you want to bake me a cake? And he goes, because I don't like you trans people. Oh, all right. Okay, see ya. I don't want to eat anything right. you have to serve anyway. Right. Like, you're not going to watch him bake the cake, right? You put right. the order in, you go home, he bakes the cake at some point. I'm sure he's a professional and all and is probably not spitting in your cake, but you don't really know because you're not there. Yeah, in all my years of food service, I've never seen anyone mess with someone else's food like that, but like why would you even want to But it has happened. expose yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it, but why why even expose yourself to the possibility? Just go somewhere else. Relying on the findings of a Denver judge in a 2021 trial in the dispute, the appeals court said Phillips's shop initially agreed to make the cake, but then refused after Scardinia explained that she was going to use it to celebrate her transition from male to female. Right. That was exactly. Yes. He she 
she, I, I was, when I said he, I was going to reference the baker and not the trans person, but she wanted this cake. She described it for him and everything was right. fine. She could have just had her cake, but yep. no, she and wanted she, a legal fight. Exactly. She specifically sought this out. She was like, I'm doing to this guy. She knew this guy. Yep. She knew that she he was there. the one from the bake the damn cake thing. She knew. She went to him on purpose. She told him she wanted a cake. She just wanted to make a name for herself. The court said, quote, we conclude that creating a pink cake with blue frosting is not inherently expressive and any message or symbolism it provides to an observer would not be attributed to the baker, said the court. No, that's crap because the lady told him what the symbols meant. She specifically told him that was why she wanted the blue and the pink. So that that's the symbols. You can't separate her blue and pink cake from that meaning because she's already given it that meaning. Well, they're saying that a observer wouldn't per se know, right? They wouldn't know for sure what the meaning was. And if they were told the meaning, they wouldn't know who made the cake. There's no, there's a reason I've never worn blue and pink eyeshadow together. I wear a lot of colors together, but I don't wear blue and pink together because those are the trans colors, right? The blue, white, and red. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the trans colors. I, I suspect most outside observers would know that. I don't know what the trans colors are. Oh, it's just red, white, or pink, white, and blue. It's usually more of a pinkish hmm. than a red. Well, look, as far as somebody having to associate their name with their views, speech doesn't require that. Like, for instance, you can have anonymous speech. So the fact that by looking at this cake, like, let's say you knew what the colors meant, okay? The the person observing the cake knows what the colors mean, understands that this is a transgender reveal cake or whatever it is. Even though they don't know who made the cake, it is still an expression by the artist, although the artist did not sign it. In the same way, somebody who uh, does graffiti... Let's say in an area where there's permission, right? Because graffiti is generally not wanted. But there are some areas where there's just like a wall, like a a wall provided by a a business or a charity or government or something like that. They have this in – I saw this for the first time in Venice Beach, California when I was out there for for a radio conference. They actually have like a wall, a concrete wall, and people can just go tag graffiti on it all day. So, like, graffiti just constantly gets put up on this wall. It goes over top, graffiti over top of graffiti over top of graffiti over over time. And it's kind of a cool okay. thing, you know, to kind of give people that outlet to right. create those things. But it's temporary. So, you do your graffiti, take your picture, and then, you know, you come back tomorrow. It's probably not going to be there because somebody else has tagged over it. That's so, nice. Yeah. So, it could be something like that. And in the case of graffiti, you don't know who made that graffiti, but it is still an expression by the artist. And they still have the right to express that thing so his argument that this is a free speech cake is kind of an interesting argument uh from that uh, extent now that the court disagreed with it and that's why he's going to probably be appealing uh in this case he's right though everything that a person creates is an expression of is is a form of speech I, i don't care if it's just baking a cake or if it's rolling a burrito or whatever there is always a way where you can instill some sort of message in it he is represented by the alliance defending freedom and he maintains the cakes he creates are a form of speech and plans to appeal the colorado appeals court uh quote one need not agree with jack's views to agree that all americans should be free to say what they believe even if the government disagrees with those beliefs said their senior senior counsel and even more to the point i don't agree with what this guy says i think that would be obvious but i want to know who the homophobic and transphobic business owners are so Mm -hmm. i can go elsewhere when you create this world where they can't 
express it, then you end up being a customer of these places. You're subsidizing the lifestyles of someone who's probably spending some of their money on these pray the gay away organizations or whatever. If they're openly homophobic, if they're openly transphobic, then you can just know to avoid them. I want to be able to avoid them. Phillips uh, was said, so this is the attorney for Scardinia, the woman who brought the case. Uh, She says they just object to the idea of her wanting a birthday cake that reflects her status as a transgender woman because they object to the existence of transgender people. So what? He's free. He should be free to have that opinion. In 2018, the Supreme Court in the U.S. ruled the Colorado Civil Rights Commission had acted with an anti-religious bias in enforcing the anti-discrimination law against Phillips. After he refused to bake a cake, the justices called the commission unfairly dismissive of his religious beliefs. But they just keep on harassing this guy over time rather than just taking their business to someone who supports them or opening their own damn cake shop which would be the way you handle things in a free market we'll see you tomorrow night i'll post it at social.freetalklive.com join liberty-minded voluntarists anarchists and libertarians from june 15th through the 18th for the seventh annual fork fest at rogers campground in the beautiful white mountains of new hampshire Forkfest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out in 2022. For 2023, we're going back to where it all started, the weekend before Porkfest. Forkfest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there June 15th through the 18th. ForkFest.Party.